You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you tri freaks and geeks, and welcome to another episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where you improve yourself by applying Zen to endurance sports and also applying endurance sports to Zen. (laughs) And it works itself around and you get to the finish line faster. All right, let's talk about who our guest is on this episode. We have Jocelyn McCauley. And this is really special. A few episodes ago, we had Malte Bruins, who was the first overall male amateur at Kona in 2015, and Jocelyn was the first overall amateur female at Kona in 2014 and has since gone pro, and she also has um, uh, now a uh, two-year-old daughter, and let's see, what else has she done? Oh, she was first overall, no, she was first amateur at Ironman Texas in her age group, yeah, first age group. Uh, and that's how she got to Kona, and then at Kona just really kicks some butt. So we're going to talk a lot about how she got to where she is now. She's from College Station, Texas originally, so this is really great. We get to uh, learn what sports she did growing up in the environment that led her to go pro. There's a little bit something extra about her that doesn't make it into the interview. Uh, when I was looking for her website... Or, you know, uh, her, her Twitter handle, you know, so I can post all that on the blog at zentrathlon.com. Uh, there was an article written about her and about how her older sister uh, drove her to be so competitive. <laughs> and her older sister started doing triathlons and Ironmans, and then that's what made her want to do one better. Like, friendly competition, but competition nonetheless. nonetheless. And those of you that have siblings know exactly what that's about. I have an older brother, two and a half years older than me, and I was always trying to be as good as him, and uh, as he is and was. And that uh, definitely uh, made me uh, into the athlete I am today. If you can hear a little bit of the noise around me, we are in Central Texas on a beautiful February day, which is actually, it's like 65, 70 degrees outside. The birds are chirping, and I'm uh, sitting near, uh, a, uh, I'm on a quiet street near a busy street, but we might get a car going by every once in a while. And uh, yeah, so we're going to cover triathlon news and also some training log, and the training log I cover how to use hand paddles and high torque, low RPM, uh, keeping your heart rate low and maximizing uh, muscle fatigue uh, on the bike and in the swim. So, and how to use a trainer and all that other stuff. Good stuff in the training log. But let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news. Here we go. All right. We've had a lot of triathlon news picking up lately. Uh, last episode was a little bit slim, and boy, we are making up for it now. we got a whole bunch of items. First off, let's talk about Jan Ferdino from Germany, who is a gold medal Olympian uh, triathlete and also won Ironman uh, Hawaii Championships this year. His 
He's not only a gold medal winner, but his little swimmers are also now gold medal winners in that uh, they crossed the finish line and made a baby boy the best prize on earth. And uh, let's see, he is, I think he's married to Emma Snowsill, but he's together with Emma Snowsill, who is also a pro triathlete. So this is how, this is how future pro triathletes are made, is uh, exceptional athletes getting together and having exceptional babies. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what this turns into. Uh, maybe uh, this will. Uh, Luke McKenzie, uh, his daughter is uh, his his child is a is a girl. But both he and Beth Gertis, I think is how you say her last name, they have a, a baby girl. And so now uh, Jan and Emma Snowsill have a little baby boy, and they'll make a relay. <laughs> Anyway, congratulations. That's really cool. Congrats on being a dad, Jan. You'll love it. It is so much fun. I can tell by Jan's interviews that he seems to be uh, both funny and down to earth, which makes for a great dad. So, good job. All right. uh, There is a new triathlon movie coming out. Uh, I can't figure out the title of it. Like, is it called Triathlon or the Triathlon Movie or Try or something? But anyway, I'll post a link to it on the blog. Again, zentriathlon.com. And uh, the joke at our house is it's a documentary about Emily because it's about a nurse, which Emily is, who does her first triathlon, which Emily's done uh, triathlons. Uh, And it seems like at the end of the trailer, she falls and um, really bashes up her arm and uh, still has to finish the run, which makes for some good drama. Oh, she's also a nurse in a uh, cancer clinic, which Emily is as well. And um, in Emily's first triathlon, she fell on the bike and just thrashed her arm. It was bleeding all over the place and running with her arm all hanging weird and bloody. And I was running next to her going, don't hang your arm like that. They're going to pull you out of the race. You know, she's like, I can't. She's crying while running. (laughs) And anyway, that seems to be going on in this movie as well. So there is a new documentary out about Emily Zentri nurse, uh, uh, doing her first triathlon. Okay, and but that, that seems to be a big, a big deal. It seems like a, a major production. And let's see, Western States 100 says no WADA band runners. Okay, the ultra running community is very tightly knit and still such a small and and um, homely and lovely uh, sport uh, because it's real simple and it has to do with mountains and nature. And they do not value winning anywhere near as much as they value uh, keeping the environment clean and keeping the world clean and keeping racers clean. And that's good. That's a good thing. That's what happens when a sport is still kind of small. And they said um, Western States 100 is the Super Bowl of trail running. It goes, does it go from Nevada to California? But anyway, it goes from pretty much uh, Tahoe down to Auburn, California. Um, it is an awesome, awesome race. It's a really big deal. And I, you have to win a lottery to get into the race. It's pretty crazy. And it's a lot like Kona for uh, ultra running. But what's interesting is they're saying if you're banned by WADA, um, which is the World Anti-Doping Association, for, uh, for doping... Um, you can't come over to the Western States 100, which is uh, really, really great because there's a lot of uh, cyclists 
who get busted for doping because doping's so rampant, rampant in cycling, and uh, then try their hand at other sports because you know they're artificially enhanced, so they're going to be good at it. And um, other sports are kind of like clamoring around, going, "What do we do about this?" And uh, Western States 100 says, "Due to do I have the statement from them? I don't have the statement, but it was something like." Due to the community getting together and our professional elite racers, uh, we do not want uh, people that have served uh, or serving a doping ban uh, to be in our race. So tough, tough cookies. All right. Um, next is 3T, which is a, a big brand in wheels and aero bars and handlebars and stuff like that for bikes. It's a big bike brand uh, for accessories, uh, components. For bikes, uh, lots of aerodynamic stuff. They um, introduced this crazy new-looking uh, aero bar, where um, the I, I forgot what you would call the parts that come out from the side, but the um, say the stem of your bike goes forward, and then the uh, it attaches to your handlebars, and your handlebars go left and right, you know, to come out. Well, those swoop, and these bars instead of coming to the left and to the right directly, and then the hand grips uh, being mounted to them and then going forward, these these bars go forward first and then sweep back and turn into the hand grips. Um, it's like they're reversed. It's really bizarre looking when you uh, haven't seen it before. It makes a lot of sense because if you're going, uh, it'll keep your hands from slipping off the uh, handlebars. So I would be, um, I've wrecked by doing that. I, my Galveston wreck was kind of like that. And uh, I've had many wrecks kind of where my hands slip off the handlebars. Um, and I would say if you live in a uh, hilly area uh, where it uh, rains or you get a lot of sweat on your hands, then uh, you might consider these because your hands will hit the crossbar before um, they can slip off the front. And if your hands are on the brakes, this is really, really nice. It's pretty interesting. Your thumb will actually catch the uh, crossbar. Whether it's aerodynamically faster or not, you know, I can't really tell. But from a safety issue, yeah, maybe so. And a lot of people are trying to ride tri-bikes uh, where they get into some hilly, uh, wet stuff. And it would be kind of nice. So go check them out. I'll put a link on the blog. Uh, but 3T is the um, name of the company. And... Let's see, Ironman got together and published a whole bunch of new rules that are universal for all Ironman races across the uh, world. And I was running with my friend the other day, and he's like, why? What's, what's up? And I said, well, the problem is that you have an Ironman in South Africa, and you have uh, an Ironman in Australia, and an Ironman in Italy, or at 70.3 in Italy, uh, I don't know if there's a full Ironman in Italy, but, you know, uh, France and, and United States, and they all tend to have slightly different rules that have just culturally evolved over time uh, for different regions of the world or different races, and, well, what's the problem with that, right? Well, if you travel to several races, um, you assume the rules at one race apply to another, or you're in a race and somebody's technically cheating, because they're doing something and they don't know it that that's against the rules in your race and let's say they never even get caught for it uh, then uh, they've gotten an advantage 
And it just goes on and on, right, to be standardized across the board. And let's go ahead and go over some of the new standards and double check all these to make sure, you know, don't just go by my word, but uh, go double check and make sure that this is actually in application for your race and that it's uh, in effect. Okay. But anyway, all races are now a 12 meter draft zone. I think we had a mix of, you know, age groupers being one draft zone length and pros being another and maybe some 10 meters and some 12 and some 12 and some 15 kind of mix match all over the place. That's a big, uh, big pain in the butt is how big is the draft zone and it changes. So now all Ironman races are 12 meter draft zone for everybody, everybody, including age groupers. How about that? It's pretty crazy. Gotta love that. Uh, no snorkels. And you're probably saying, what? You could wear snorkels? Yes, you could. You could wear a snorkel in the swim. (laughs) I guess you could wear one on the bike, but it's not really going to help you much. But uh, the consensus is, after all these years, is uh, you don't need a snorkel to swim. And some people will say, oh, I totally need it, you know. And no, you don't. In general, you don't. Uh, You know, you need to learn to turn your head to swim. Whatever your thing is where you can't turn your head to swim is... It's probably uh, psychological and just join a swim team for a while and uh, get laughed at with your snorkel until you quit using it. It's just like training wheels, right? Well, yeah, sure, you'll bike better with training wheels on, but they're kind of a hazard to other people. And your snorkel is kind of a, if you're snorkel dependent out there in this big swim and then your snorkel gets knocked off, then uh, now you have no snorkel. Now you think you're going to drown. You start causing drama all over the place. So, no, ditch it. You don't need it. You don't need it. And I'm sure there is a very rare case where you probably do need it. Maybe they'll make an exception for you. All right. Let's see. We have um, now you can wear sleeved tri suits in the swim. So, if you've been paying attention to the high end pro racing end of things, they uh, are starting to, I think it was Mario Van Honecker. Um, I'm trying to remember the first one I noticed wearing it. Uh, Iron Man a couple years ago, a few years ago. Uh, Luke McKenzie. Um, these these triathlon suits on the bike where they come all the way, the suit is tight-fitting. The jersey top is tight-fitting, and it comes all the way down to the elbow. And it's apparently like an aerodynamic thing. It makes you faster on the bike. Well, the leftover rule from swimming is uh, because they had all these uh, swimsuits for a while that uh, are reduced aerodynamic, uh, hydrodynamic drag, you know, that make you swim crazy fast because they have certain material in the, uh, on the texture of the swimsuit and they were using them in the Olympics and then it got crazy. It got a little ridiculous for a few years where people were wearing suits that went all the way down to their wrist. This is in the Olymp- the Olympics, like the hundred meter, you know, freestyle, a suit that goes f- from wrist to ankle. <laughs> to your neck covers almost every inch of your body except for your hands and feet and face and um they're really 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 expensive and poorer countries can't afford all this junk and it's kind of going against the spirit of the sport in general because now you're not a human anymore you're kind of a fish in your shark skin uh covered outfit and but the thing is is it's really expensive and uh, poorer countries can't afford all this crap and so they said, you know, we're banning it. We're bringing everybody back to um, 
these crazy swimsuits can't go past the uh, the shoulder um, and like the top of the shoulder. You know, like if you're wearing kind of like a tank top sort of. And can't go past the uh, above the knee, you know, like the middle of the thigh, kind of above the knee area, down. Um, so that's it. And so, like, so that's the rule. So you're doing a um, an Ironman or, or whatever. You're doing an open water triathlon, and the water's warm. Well, you can buy one of these skin suits and wear it, and it costs a few hundred bucks, you know. Um, but to keep things fair, and from it getting all out of control again, you know, they said just like um, in the Olympics, you know, we're going to cut down the size of these things but there has now been enough pressure imagine coming out of the um ironman swim and you want to put on your elbow length uh cycling jersey top kit whatever and you're soaking wet if you're soaking wet and trying to put on clothes really fast tight fitting clothes it takes forever you probably tear all your clothes and break a shoulder joint uh shoulder blade and your collarbone trying to get this crazy crap on you have like 16 people helping you get it on and it's tearing and uh the pros the elites um have managed to talk ironman management into uh, the judges jimmy ricatello into uh, saying okay this is all right um so basically you can wear these uh you can wear a top that goes down to your elbows on uh non-wetsuit open water swims and ironman races oh that was a long ways around to get that out there but i had to get a little bit of the history out there and i guess the only other news is uh, it's not even really news it's just uh what's going on with my injury yes my arm is i broke my arm falling down while running the other day a couple months ago now maybe month and a half two months ago and yes it still hurts yes it's still screwed up yes i definitely still feel really stupid yes no i don't know when it's going to be better no i don't know if i'll ever be able to swim like i used to um uh yes i am very sad about it but i don't know where what the future holds and it sucks okay (laughs) that's it for the triathlon news we'll get into more individual and fun training stuff in the training log, but let's go ahead and get started with pro triathlete, which I'm sure she loves to hear. Pro triathlete Jocelyn McCauley, who is originally from Texas, who got first in her age group at Ironman Texas 2014, first overall amateur at Kona, Hawaii 2014, and has now joined us on our show via Skype. Let's get going. Here we go with Jocelyn. Welcome to the next level. All right, I have with me on the phone pro triathlete Jocelyn McCauley. How's it going? Great. A little bit late, but other than that, great. So the audience should know. I told Jocelyn whenever. Well, how do you like to be called? Is it Joss or Jocelyn? I saw your Twitter's kind of a, a Joss McCauley. Yeah, yeah. It's really whatever people feel like calling me. Like Jocelyn comes with so many nicknames. So it does. So she, uh, the audience should know that Joss, Joss, Jocelyn, and I were uh, setting up this interview. You always have to find a time, you know, over <clears throat> Skype that it'll work. She said, "Well, as long as it's not too late." 
right? The earlier the better. The earlier the better. And I told her <laughs> that is such the typical serious triathlete response. Everybody that's into triathlon and trains for results um, goes to bed. Every, every time I do an interview, they want to do it as early as possible because they go to bed because they, they've gotten in that habit, right, of going to bed early and getting lots of sleep. Yes, yes, typically right after my daughter goes to bed. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to your daughter. Uh, that's it's such such an interesting story and and so like what did you do today uh, for training and what do you got on the schedule for tomorrow? So for today I uh, I did some hill repeats on the treadmill. Um it was like a 16 mile run. Um and then I did some uh, 300 meter repeats in the pool. And then I actually had a big day of recovery. I had a massage today, and then I went and saw my uh, PT that I go to here. And um, so, yeah, it was big recovery day for so, tomorrow. So. <laughs> so your 16 mile with hill repeats and your 300 meter repeats in the pool is, is your recovery day? <laughs> well, <laughs> the massage and the PT is yeah. <laughs> the physio. Yeah, I know. When... I always say, like, uh, people get serious about, you know, wanting to get better at, at uh, like, the longer stuff, you know. It's like, look to the pros, and you will, it will genuinely shock you about what they can do. The, um, so I found that, actually, that's interesting you said 300 meters, because I found that that takes uh, around five minutes uh, to do. So it's like a nice kind of, like, little burn session. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So do you do, do you do the 300-meter repeats at kind of, like, a 9 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10? Effort yeah, or, or? yeah. Well, today, so today is the first day that we actually had those on my schedule. So mm -hmm. they were kind of new. So they were like a ten out of ten. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but they were supposed to be, I think, more like an eight out of ten. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's funny. I coach as well, and the um, I a lot of times I give the the athlete the same thing a second time. And then go, okay, now do it like you wanted to do it the first time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I have, uh, I have, I think, three more weeks to uh, perfect yeah. it. So. <laughs> well, cool. I sent you a, a list of uh, questions that um, we, we can go over and then we can always add in some more fun stuff. So you said that, that tonight you might be in recovery boots. Um, yes, I am in them. Are right. you in them right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was hoping that you couldn't hear the noise. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, is there, is, so what is it? Is, uh, is there uh, air pressure being pumped into them or something? Or how do they Yeah, go? Yeah, they're the compression boots. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many different brands. Um, and actually, these aren't mine. They're my, uh, they're my physios, my PT, uh -huh. uh, beyond exercise um, here in Cincinnati. But uh, he's letting me borrow them for these next three weeks between, you know, just doing Dubai and then um, doing uh, Ironman New Zealand coming up in March. Oh, cool. So I have, yeah, I have like three and a half weeks at home to build, have some good training sessions in and then uh, get going to New Zealand. So just recovery is kind of pretty vital and crucial right now in these next three weeks. So, so. sponsors out there, if, <clears throat> if you didn't hear that, future Ironman uh, world champion yeah. <laughs> Jocelyn McCauley does not have a compression boot sponsor. No, and I want one. And you want one. Okay, okay so tell me about how, how well do they work? Do you, are you a believer? I am such a believer. Some people are skeptics and, and whatnot, but like, I mean, before, before I even knew about these boots, like on really hard training days, I would come home and I'd be laying around and be like, uh, love who I call my husband, I call love. And, uh, he, I was like, ah, I just need, like, I need some like massage. I just need some, like my, 
like fluid in my legs needs to go somewhere and so I would have him like squish my legs like the compression boots do and stuff <laughs> his job is now taken over thank goodness from yeah. by these boots so he doesn't have to do that well, he, so. what's his what's his name <laughs> his name is Scott so, so Scott uh, should start a compression He's, you've got the backstory right there a compression boot company <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah my wife went pro and then she needed me to compress her legs and I thought there has to be a better way <laughs> So yeah, I knitted these boots. <laughs> there's so many companies out there now um, that do it. So yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get back to um, uh, the last episode. I uh, mentioned out there that this interesting female triathlete hit me up <laughs> on Twitter for me to, to go for a jog <laughs> with her, and I thought, oh, you know, like an age grouper, you know, probably like forty something, forty five years old. <laughs> And, uh, you know, probably runs like, you know, is just getting into triathlon. He's like 10 minutes also. And then uh, we started running together and you just took off, but you weren't trying. I should mention that. It just bounced off the front. And I was like, remember we started running and we were about a quarter mile into the run before I found out you were a pro. I had no yeah. idea, but I knew something was up. There's something going on here. The way you bounced off. So have you heard that show yet where I put that out? I did. I did. Yeah. I listened to it on one of my runs earlier this week, actually. Oh, oh, cool. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was my that was my side of the of our grief of our little run again. That, um, was that accurate? The, yeah, yeah. I thought it was accurate yeah. for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> I can't think of anything that wasn't accurate on it. So, so. Um, let's talk about uh, like what we talked about on our run, where you told me uh, this is this is literally what happened. I said, so um, have you done an Ironman? <laughs> and you said. Maybe. Hey, what maybe. Did you, say? you said sorta, kinda, maybe. Maybe yeah. you might have won one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, what place did you get at Ironman Texas? Was it was it 2014? Was your first year at it? Or? Yeah, 2014. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I decided in January to do Texas, and uh, I knew I wanted to do one full, and mm -hmm. I. I you know, I told my husband and, and everyone, I was like, I just, I just want to do one, mm -hmm. one and done, you know, just get the experience and whatnot. Now, at and, this point, uh, you were an age grouper. Yes. Right? And you've never done an Ironman distance race before. No. Okay. No. And um, the previous year, I did my first, uh, my first half. Uh -huh. um, well, well, what place did you get in the half? So, that, like, so what kind of expectations? expectations that's going oh, on. Oh, um, well, you see, the thing is, is that's not quite too fair, because in 2013, I had my daughter in April, and then I did my first half in Muncie, Indiana, um, like 11 weeks after I had her. Mm -hmm. So you're not in like your best shape 11 weeks after you have, after no. you have a kid. So um, I mean, your legs might be strong from walking around carrying a baby. <laughs> you have no endurance, though. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I took two weeks off after having her, well, one week, and then I started jogging the second week, but, uh -huh. but yeah, so I got, I think I was fifth in my age group. I could That's be wrong. Good. Yeah. Yeah. With like a 458 or mm -hmm. something. It was right under five, yeah. somewhere right under five. So that was my first half. And then, um, yeah. And then 2014 decided to do, um, a full, mm -hmm. so I did Texas cause I'm from Texas and my whole family, well, a lot of my family is in Texas, and so did that. And I got first in my age group, and then second amateur overall um, at that crazy. race. So that is so awesome. Okay, so let's talk about that race because I I did that race too. Oh, awesome! Okay, so yeah. this was twenty fourteen. Yeah, it was the year after the hot year. Yeah, it was a ton. That was your or was a tiny bit cooler. 
Yeah, it wasn't so. too bad. Well, the swim was wetsuit legal for like the first time. I know. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah. And um, yeah, we had a cold front kind of come through like the few days. Like yeah, and like some rainstorm or something that yeah. got the water temperature to drop. Really yeah. Nice. So, okay. So uh, you were, at what point on that race did you realize that you were just killing it out there <laughs> on your first ever Ironman? Was it like, I would think like maybe like, you might say like halfway through the run that yeah, you're like, was, until yeah. then you don't want to. You don't want to, uh, you know, jinx yourself and say, um, oh, wait, you know what? I've got somebody at the door. Hold on. Let me oh, go yeah. check it because I'm here by myself and there's a, uh, we're expecting somebody to pick up some stuff for my son. Hold on. Okay. We'll edit this out. It'll be good. Is there somebody here? Hey. Hey. hey how's it going? Next door. Hey, how's it going? I don't know if we, uh-huh. if we have tickets in our parking pass for tomorrow's basketball game. Awesome. You guys are interested? Yeah, we are. Three o'clock tomorrow. Three o'clock. Yeah. Okay. I work with the. Oh, totally. Yeah. So. Okay. Thank you. See you there. All right. Here. All right. Bye. Yeah. Kona, come back in. No, Kona. Wrong way. <laughs> bye. So that was a, our new neighbor works for Texas A&M Sports. So basketball tickets? That's yeah. awesome. Free basketball tickets. Man, can you get free football tickets too? And a parking pass. Wow. And A&M's basketball team is really kicking butt this year. We're going to get into how you're from College Station too. From Aggie. So <laughs> the, uh, there's so much in this interview we got to get to. <laughs> Uh, okay, so anyway, all right, sorry, we got interrupted. And, yeah, Texas, um, where so did Texas, I? Yeah, at what uh, point, because I know like like uh, your nutrition, right, or like a cramp or something like that can strike, unless you're yeah, within like 5K of the finish line, anything can still happen. You know, like yeah. you can gut out a 5K, but up until then, you know, you don't really know. So uh, what point did, were you like, and did you know like what place you were in or anything like that? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously I had no idea through mm -hmm. the swim and the bike and whatnot, um, and then got out on the run, and it was, I think, so my sister did it as well, and uh, she, oh, that's cool. yeah. yeah, she was in front of me coming off of the bike. Really? On, on, yeah. Wow, yeah, awesome. Onto the run. She, she actually ended up fourth overall at that race that year, so she got second in her age group and fourth overall, but... Mm -hmm. So it was on the run. I, I think I was going into my third lap, so the final the final lap of that run, and I saw her. I passed I passed her. I think on the third lap. What'd you and, say? Oh, I I don't think I said anything. Yeah. But <laughs> are y'all are y'all like really competitive with each other? Oh, we're competitive, you, but it wasn't because we were competitive. Yeah. It was because I was tired. <laughs> yeah, I know. How I mean, I think I said good job or you know keep it up <laughs> or something like that. You know, in Ironmans, the run be slowly degrades the things you say to, to other people. Slowly yeah. degrades <laughs> into good job, good job. Yeah, good exactly. Job, like that. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But go she ahead. she somehow had the effort, and she was like, she was like, "Go win it, go win it," because she knew what place I was in. I had mm -hmm. no idea. I knew I was doing well, yeah. but um, I didn't end up catching the first place girl. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I knew I knew I was doing well. I knew that I would qualify for Kona when mm -hmm. she was saying go win it. So <laughs> yeah, okay. So then you're like, uh, man, I, I've qualified for Kona. Um, but did you know immediately then that you were going to go, or um, you're going to have to think about it for a while? Or I mean, you yeah. have to know the next day, right? <laughs> yeah, you have you to have tell to them. know the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a for sure thing. I mean, it was uh, you know everyone 
who is in Iron Man, most people are like, Kona is awesome. You have to go to Kona and, and everything. But it's a, Amy, it's a family decision. It's, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of time and effort and sacrifices that go into the training for it and, and everything. And I knew that if I went to Kona, it wouldn't just be as, as some people call it, like a victory lap. It would be right. to actually try to compete and do well because yeah. I, I can't just do anything like you know, <laughs> half. So it's all or nothing. So, yes. so yeah, we, we talked about it as a family and ended up uh, deciding to do it. So That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Like I've done nationals and also uh, it's, everybody's the exact same speed. <laughs> yeah. The, the swim is insane. Like oh, it's bet. such a, a grinder. And the uh, um, – yeah, if I if I manage to get into Kona, like for me it would be just to be there, right? Like it's yeah. so competitive at the at the guys level, and I would have if I got in, I would have just barely qualified. So you're like you're sailing in like right at the lead of the pack. You have a chance to actually like really compete for the overall win, right? As an amateur. Um, so now right. you're you're thinking. So what is what is Texas? Texas is in May, May. right? Yeah. And Kona's in October. You got lots of time Plenty to keep time. training. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're in. You're in it to win it, right? Well, I was in it. I, I had the outspoken goal of being top five, okay. like overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the little secret goal inside myself to mm-hmm. win it, but I didn't want to jinx myself and say it out loud. Yeah, so. that's a good way to jinx. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, did you have any problems uh, working your way up to, to race day for Kona? Like any injuries or bike wrecks or anything crazy go out of whack or it was just a nice consistent training not to Kona actually I had a bike wreck leading up to Texas it was mm-hmm. my first bike wreck that I had had I was going between like 28 to 30 miles an hour down mm-hmm. this hill yeah and yeah like I don't know what happened like my front wheel wobbled uh-huh. and like I didn't you know didn't get it to stop and I went over and uh fortunately it was with like a whole bunch of people there's like a physical therapist or a doctor you know like all these other people there and yeah. when they saw it they're like they thought I broke a collarbone or something and I actually ended up I was around 25 miles from home I ended up riding my bike home and oh, uh yeah. and, and actually attempting to do a brick after but I did like one <laughs> mile and and ended up like no I'm I'm just riding a uh, adrenaline rush and going back and uh, I ended up having some pretty bad road rash. I still have scars from, and then I ended up actually breaking a rib and not being able to swim oh, yeah. for like two weeks yeah. before Texas. And then probably got in the water like two times before Texas. And then Texas was a mass start, and I was terrified of getting kicked in the ribs yeah. and getting it like rebroken and mm-hmm. stuff. But but in terms of Kona, um, I did not. I took two weeks off after Texas and. Just had a fun build in the summer, you know, to Kona and enjoyed every minute of training. And I mean, I got, I, with, with kids, I mean, I'm sure you know Mm -hmm. that it brings a bunch of sickness into your house, no matter how (laughs) diligent you are. Yeah. I mean, so I'm sure I I got sick several times, but that's Mm -hmm. nothing less than typical. So, and then Kona. Yeah. So it was, it was a good build and. Got there, uh, I think Sunday before the race because I had a I had a good friend actually from Cincinnati, Allison, that was getting married uh, in Kona mm-hmm. before she did Kona. So she got married on Monday. So I was there for her wedding and then race on Saturday. So, so do you think going to that wedding kind of relaxed you so that 
do you want into the race nice and fresh or, or um, I think not as nervous? Yeah, I think that both of those amateur races, Texas and Kona, I, I just went in wanting to have fun. Um, that was that was my number one goal. Is anything that's always my number one goal with all of this is to to always have fun with it because if you're out there enjoying yourself with a smile on your face and having fun, then everything else seems to fall into place. You know, it's or it's it's cause or effect. I mean. Or you have everything that you are doing right, and so you're happy about it, whichever one. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I went into the race really relaxed. Um, I mean, I don't know if it was because of the wedding or if it was really just because I was going out there to do my best and to have fun and whatever maybe maybe. So. So, um, who who was coaching you at the time, or were you self coached? What were you doing? So I was I was like kind of self-coached, kind of coached by my sister at the very beginning. And then mm -hmm. my sister, I, I had my sister take over everything because I work a lot better with like, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I don't want to have to think about it kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, she coached me through Kona. Um, and then through the first, uh, uh, I guess mostly the first year until August of 2015, uh, my first pro year. And then I switched coaches to uh, David Tilbury Davis um, down in the Woodlands. So. Oh, okay, yeah. So going into Kona, right? Uh, how was how was the swim? So that remember? was the first year that the swim was divided between the men and the women, uh -huh. and the women started. Uh, I I don't know how much time back, but you know we started after the amateur men. Um, and my sister, my sister had qualified at Texas and was there, and so. My goal was just to stick on her feet because I knew she was a better swimmer than I was. Mm -hmm. um, so I stuck on her feet, actually, the entire swim. And she uh, she was my bodyguard through the men because mm -hmm. the men, as we swam through them, didn't like being passed by all these <laughs> girls. <laughs> they were mm -hmm. a little bit more aggressive in the water than yeah. what I'm used to. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was fine. And, um, I mean, they said that the swells were a little higher than what they have been in the past, but I didn't really notice anything too bad. Uh -huh. um, I was more focused on staying on my sister's feet. So uh, we got out of the water together and then took off on our bikes. And um, the bike was was crazy. That was the year of the crazy wind that uh -huh. they were saying it was worse. Oh, than, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, 15 years. So, yeah. It was really bad wind. I mean, it was hard to take in nutrition because it was so bad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but it was it was good enough. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of drafting out there that's yeah. just totally blatant drafting that I can't stand. But uh, and then coming back in and then uh, out on the run, I knew coming in that I was doing well because I didn't see many like I wasn't passing many women anymore and I didn't didn't see many out there and came in and I asked the people in the change tent like what place am I in do you have any idea how many girls have come through and they had no idea so started going out on the run and uh this like six-year-old boy who was volunteering maybe he was eight he was young um who was volunteering at the first aid station said you're the fifth uh, you're the fifth amateur woman Really? And so I was like, whoa, really? I didn't know if I could believe him or not. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I kept going and uh, my husband was there. And so I saw I saw him out there and 
he was telling me where I was at and stuff. And I remember at the, at the top of Polani Hill, um, I saw Chrissy Wellington. Oh, cool. And yeah, yeah. And she was cheering me on. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. It's like yeah. surreal. Right. Like, and, uh, kept going. And then I saw my husband again and he said, you're in second. The first, you know, person is in front of you. You have her no problem. Mm-hmm. And that's when like that, just like relief came over me. Like, sweet. Like I just have to keep doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and yeah. I can get it. And we're, I was still headed out to the energy labs. And, uh, so out in the energy labs, uh, past two girls, and I, I mean, you know, you're in such a different state of mind. I, I tried to look at their numbers, and I don't know which one of them was a pro, which one was an amateur, a pro mm-hmm. having a bad day, but yeah. one uh, was right. an amateur, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and amateur, and yeah. so somewhere out in the energy labs, I passed, and I came into first, and, mm-hmm. and then just took it all the way home, so the, I remember... I remember coming up to, I think it was mile like 23 and I thought it was mile 24 and my heart was broken. Like when I saw that it was only mile 23 and I still had oh. three miles instead of two, but yeah. 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 So that's, that was the race and I crossed the finish line and, um, I was looking around for my husband and didn't see him and I was getting whisked away to drug testing. Before. Right. So, but well, somehow, thing, though, yeah. y- yes, yes. Yeah. I'm glad that they do that, but somehow we met on the way up to drug testing and he came with me. So it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going? Drug testing. Cause I'm so yeah. awesome. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like when I saw him, yeah. I just, like we both were just in like the state of shock. Right. And happiness of like, did I just do that? So did that seriously happen? <laughs> all right. Let's take a quick break from our interview with Jocelyn to talk about Amrita bars, longtime sponsor. Good stuff going on here. I had an Amrita bar, this morning, a little bit before I got into my bike ride, and whoo, man, one heck of a ride! Holy cow! On the on Zwift, using uh, the trainer indoors, two hours of just hammering away with uh, yeah, nice big juicy chewy Amrita bar before I got started going. Now Amrita bars are organic, natural. Uh, there's actually no nuts in them; there's seeds in them instead. So if you have a nut allergy, that's pretty cool, and Man, I've just been really, really happy with them for a long time. They make really good stuff. And let's see, they sent me an email so I can give you some specifics on uh, things that are great about them. Uh, Man, they don't freeze in cold weather, which is a really good thing right now. Uh, Last uh, show, I talked about how I took a bite into a cliff bar and almost broke my teeth (laughs) because it was cold. It was frozen. And Amrita bars don't do that. And let's see, they're not grain-based, they're date-based, which is really cool. They reduce inflammation. Allergens cause inflammation, inflammation. Training causes inflammation. So why would you eat a food that doubles up on your inflammation? Just uh, have some Amrita bars. Uh, They have a club, which is pretty cool because they have a whole bunch of cool gear. I love my Amrita kit. It is awesome. It's black with uh, some bright rainbow colors mixed in in the uh, in the logo in the center. I always get nice compliments on it. And it is 20% off the regular price if you join their club, plus free shipping, plus choose the bars that you want. And there's a triathlon or cycling top for free with your order. Uh, you will need to email in your size with your order. And 
gender. And let's see, here's a link to Amrita Club. AmritaHealthFoods.com, A-M-R-I-T-A, HealthFoods.com, AmritaHealthFoods.com slash product slash Amrita-Club. <laughs> so let me do that again. AmritaHealthFoods.com slash product slash Amrita-Club. And the discount code for Zentri is, let's see, Zen2016. Is it 10% off or is it 20% off? I forgot what you get, but you get a lot off Zen2016 to order anything off their site and get a nice discount. All right, that's enough about Amrita Bars, my favorite. So let's go ahead and get back to Jocelyn. Here we go. After that happened, after you got first at this, do you, at what point does it sink in that that maybe you want to go pro, right? Were you like during the race or before the race or was it like after the race? You're like, oh, I had no ambitions of that before the race or uh-huh. even thought of, yeah, I didn't think about that. It was, um, it was after the race when I got a whole bunch of calls for interviews uh-huh. um, with different podcasts and different like, you know, home news stations uh-huh. and stuff. Uh-huh for interviews and I was and everyone was asking me like so are you going pro or are you gonna keep racing amateur I was like I have no idea I have a week of vacation here in Hawaii I'm gonna soak that in Mm -hmm. and then then we can like think about things later so uh then it was then it was a later conversation of it was a couple weeks long of a conversation of what to do and what we were planning on doing and and then decided you know, in December, January time that I would, I would do it and see what happens. So, so up until then you were a nurse, right? Yeah. I worked in the cardiovascular intensive care unit at Christ Hospital. So you, you trained for and won first amateur at Kona (laughs) while working as a nurse Yeah, and also being a new mom. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) yes yes I mean um so by Texas I mean she was like a year old for Texas so she was like a year and a half old for Kona Uh um so that I mean she was still taking two naps a day which is nice yeah (laughs) I mean yeah they're not really like nursing that much anymore but they're everywhere and they want your attention constantly (laughs) yeah oh yes yeah I mean I fortunately have a really good relationship with the YMCA here Uh and uh they have a great uh, child watch program here, and oh, she loves yeah. she loves the people in there. I mean, she's asked me plenty of times, "Can we go to the Y, please?" Like so. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. So oh, yeah, that's that's a real stroke of luck right there. So yeah. let's talk about. Let's see, you grew up uh, in College Station. Were you born here in College Station, or or born uh, and raised? Born yeah. and raised, which is funny that you're calling from Cincinnati because that's where I was born. Yeah. So we've <laughs> totally swapped cities. And um, I was born in Cincinnati, like in 1973, and lived. Uh, <laughs> my parents, I, I didn't have any choice in anything. So at the uh, we lived out on this uh, road in the outskirts of town, John John Gray Road. And um, eventually, we moved to uh, Tennessee, and then to Alabama, and then to uh-huh. Houston. And uh, then I ended up going to to a college station for. Um, to go to A&M, Texas A&M, people don't know. And the um, my impression of Texas A&M was it's it's a town out in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> and um, this is crazy. There's nothing to do out here. 
But it turns out, after I lived here for a while, it's a great place to uh, cycling and running and things like that. So how, yeah. when you grew up here, um, did you were you on the school track team, swim team, or, or what did you do? Yeah, I was on the track team. I did um, track all through junior high and high school and, and cross country. When I was in College Station, there was only one high school. There's mm-hmm. there's two now. So I was at uh, Kinsall mm-hmm. um, with Coach Wellman, who I think coaches for the other high school now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so... I, I ran there and everything and I, I loved it. It was a great it was a great town to grow up in. It was mm-hmm. a very family friendly town and totally. Uh, yeah. 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 Lots of fun stuff to do. So mm-hmm. yeah. So then uh, where did you you went to BYU? Yeah. Brigham then, Young University. And yep. then ran track and I, I was I was uh, doing a little bit of research on you and you were kind of a track superstar or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I did track and cross country there. I mean uh-huh. I didn't I wasn't ever all American. I, I struggled with uh, a couple things while I was in college, but um, yeah, but yeah, I still did well. I still, you know, was on their traveling team and varsity and whatnot. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was that was that was a wonderful, awesome experience that I would never give back. It was just so amazing, and I have friends from the team to last a lifetime. So, so where did you learn to swim? I learned to swim at, I don't, I'm sure that it's still at College Station, the uh-huh. Tsunamis oh, yeah. Summer League swim team. Yeah. Right, I, cool. My parents like thought swimming was super important. So they got us all into swimming Summer League mm-hmm. and they, I mean, they were, they were like licensed officials for the meets and my dad, <laughs> like dad started like, you know, like the gun or whatever. He was a starter for most of the meets. And (laughs) so it was a whole family affair on Saturdays, wake up, you know, way too early in the morning to drive to wherever for the swim meet and stuff. So it was a lot of fun, but you know, we only swam during the summer and then took the whole year off and then swam in the summer. And I think we did it from, I don't know, I was probably five or six until I was, I don't know, 13, 12, somewhere around there. So Mm -hmm. I had full years. So. Yeah, so you've got the swimming background, right? Yeah, you know how sure. to train in the pool. You know what real swim team practices look like, and and what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah, and got the technique down, right? So yeah, although cool. I can't ever, I, I really can't say that I was ever very super serious during mm-hmm. summer league. <laughs> it was more of something for us to do and have fun. Yeah, oh, summer league swimming. That I grew up doing that too. That is so much fun. It's like yeah. it's just a big party all Saturday morning. Oh yeah, and then the meats are awesome, and like yeah. it was the only time that my parents would let us have like candy. So we would have like Starburst, and uh-huh. then like after the meat, we would have like Hershey's candy bar. So it was fun. Did you have uh, the the swim team meets? Uh, Summer swim league is where I discovered uh, Frito chili pies. Did you ever have one of those? No, the, I didn't discover those. The, they cut open a small bag of Fritos. Oh uh, yeah, and then pour chili and cheese over it and give you a spoon. And they serve it to you like on a paper plate, but it's you eat it out of the bag, hot. Yeah, and see, I think I thought that was the greatest thing, the greatest invention ever. <laughs> that that does sound great, but uh-huh. my parents would never let us buy the food there. We always like we had this like red cooler uh-huh. of food that we brought with us, and we would we only could have the red cooler food. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been there, done that too. Oh yeah, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah, because um, in Texas, summer swim leagues is a big deal. That's especially in Houston, right? We would uh, just swim all over north and west side of Houston. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, against we other teams. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, 
Awesome. Yeah, I swam. Did you ever hear of Bear Branch swim team? Out of, uh, out of Houston? Okay. I'm well, sure if you I haven't, that's okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about me. It's about you. So, the, uh, uh, let's see. You decided to go pro. And so, what do you think? What's actually the process of going pro? Do you, do you write an email to USAT or, or to, to who and say, yes, I'd like to go right. pro? What's the process? Yeah, I mean, I heard your interview with the the male amateur who won uh-huh. this year. Yeah, and I mean, it's different for every country. So for the U.S., like, there's different qualification, like, standards that you have to meet. Yeah. And if you meet one of those, then you, you literally, it's just this, like, application that they have online that you fill out and you send into them and um, pay their, uh, yeah. their you dues. Pay to be a pro. Well, yeah, but USAT <laughs> is super cheap. I mean, yeah. it's, I know, it's just funny. Like, yeah. Compared to other sports. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Instead of, uh, like, Oh, you're a pro. How much do they pay you? And you're like, no, we got to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So pay those dues. And then once you have your, your USAT card, then you have to apply for your uh, like Ironman uh, brand license and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, so you pay like a flat amount, but that gets you into all the Ironman races. Do they still do it that way? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You just pay. Well, so you have the choice. You can either pay one flat amount and get into all the races, mm-hmm. or if you just want to do one seventy point three or one Ironman, you they also have like a a one time fee that you can do to pay for one race instead. So okay, all right. So let's see. You you quit. Your job uh, yeah. as a nurse. So, do you get to keep your? Are you still going to keep up your nursing license somehow in case you want to go back to nursing soon, or or what are you doing with that? Yeah, you can put your nursing license on hold and then just do a whole bunch of continuing education credits to be able to like reactivate it. Okay. So that's like the easiest way to do that mm-hmm. um, instead of having to do all the continuing education credits every year and paying all the fees every year. To well, every two years mm-hmm. to renew your license and to right. keep it current, it's just a little bit easier to get back into it when you want to. So okay, so you uh, you tell your your uh, your supervisor, your boss, or, or or who do you tell that you're going to go? Yeah. Um, uh, pro and are <laughs> they surprised? Or are they even? Oh yeah, they were, what you're talking yeah, about? they were super surprised. They're like, um, you can make money at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I hope to. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to make some at least. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's, I'm sure, as you know, with your wife, there's very high turnover in, yeah, in yeah. nursing and in the nursing field, especially in the hospital. Mm-hmm. There's super high turnover. And so they always want to keep you once they have you. And so she was like, is there anything we can do? Like, I mean, can we have you go, you know, more part time or anything, you know, mm-hmm. trying to trying to get me to stay. But, you know, it was just. No, I, I I tell everyone when when we made this decision, I you know I have my husband, I have my daughter, I have church responsibilities, right? Um, and then I had triathlon and I had work, so I had these five things, and one of them I have to go, and it wasn't going to be you know any one of those other ones, so yeah. it was work. So, yeah, well, I think in your in your situation, um, I would have done the exact same thing, right? Because there's so many nursing jobs, right? Yeah. And uh, the the field, it, like you said, there's such high turnover. They're looking for people, so you can and you can, like you said, literally, literally, you can put your job on hold and then come back to it. Um, yeah. And it won't be terribly difficult to find, kind of pick up where you kind of like where you left off. At least, I mean, yeah, you would lose some years of experience, right? 
but yeah, and but yeah, you can you can get right back in. Like my the job that I do, if I left, well, I'd have to find another one like it somewhere. You know, it'd be really difficult to get back in to where I to where I was. Yeah. So you're in like a perfect situation where you're like you can you can dip your toe in this in the pro waters and see how you do, and then um, you can pick back up being a being a nurse again, and yeah. uh, you won't have um, thrown a major wrench in your in your life. Right. I mean, so what was it like? Like, uh, uh, all of a sudden you wake up and you don't have to go to work now Did you yeah. <laughs> get completely overtrained like a lot of people do because they have all this training time or did you go into it pretty smart and say, no, I mean, I went into it smart. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why you hire someone to tell you what to do, because yeah. if you did it yourself, then I, I wouldn't, I, I would be injured all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. So I was I was really smart about it, and my sister was, he was still coaching me at that time. So she was really smart about it, uh, keeping me, you know, honest. And we did increased hour increase hours because when I was an amateur, I uh, I only trained my max week was eighteen hours mm-hmm. in a week for both Texas and Kona. My average was probably around oh fifteen. Uh, a week yeah. is what the, I usually ride around average. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't have, I was nowhere near the, what, what did, what did he say? Like 35, 40 hours a week? Yeah. Or fi- no, yeah. up to 50 or something? Yeah, like one that? time he did like 50 or peak weeks yeah. for 50 hours. We're it's talking ridiculous. about people need to go back and listen to this interview with the German guy yes. that won overall. But, you know, I mean, he was training kind of the same way as you, just going out and having fun. And uh, yeah. he had real no, really no, like he, no responsibilities no responsibilities no real training plan just went out and ate ice cream and rode his bike all day yeah 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 i know yeah, I, I thought that was hilarious that he ate ice cream as his nutrition i yeah. although i'm not much better so when i started i i did starburst jelly beans uh-huh. as my nutrition that was like 100 percent all my nutrition for uh-huh. every single race well that and a bong breaker bar because Wait, you ate starburst jelly beans as your fuel oh yeah that was my fuel for all of my races okay so Wait, including Texas and and uh, Kona? Oh yeah, for Kona, I had the tropical, I had the tropical flavor. Oh yeah, because you're in Kona. Exactly. Totally so makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, you gotta keep it yeah. fun and honest, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that is crazy. Um, okay, so let's see. You uh, now you're going pro and things are. So this is 2015. So this is last year, right? Last year, yeah. Okay. And um, what did you change? Well, you said more volume, right? Mm -hmm. And then how are you looking at uh, nutrition? Because that's a big deal. Um, Because there's some coaches that specialize in getting better results by first looking at nutrition and making sure you have enough energy the entire way. Yeah. Um, You're already at this. See, you're already successful. So you have energy the entire way. But so we're now we're looking at just trying to improve things. You know, you're not like somebody that like bonks halfway through, and now no. you need a major nutrition overhaul. But at the same time, um, it, what, it, what 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 is your coach's name again? I I love him by the way. I just can never remember his name because yeah, he's out of the Dave, woodlands. David Tilbury Davis. David Tilbury Davis. Let me write that down because I keep forgetting his name. And I've ah. done a couple of his events, um, and he's uh, regionally around here. Uh, he's a big deal. So he puts on that training camp every year. Oh, so that, that Uh is Tim Floyd. Oh, Tim Floyd. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one who puts on the swim camp. 
Okay, so where's David out of? He's out of the Woodlands as well. They're both uh, based in the Woodlands. Okay. And or Magnolia, you know. Magnolia sure. Masters. Yeah. So which starts a thread every winter on Slow Twitch where they talk about their... Um, their Pro Twitch camp. Yeah, their camp and start describing it and the, the swim workouts that they do just shocks people. Like, holy crap. Right, like yeah. the death. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, all right, so which coach... Or which person, or has it even happened yet? Took a look at your nutrition. Uh, what Star Starburst? <laughs> we got to get you on like Infinite this or like Carboom or, or something, you know, or you can or what? What? Right. What was your first right. exposure to that? Uh, well, so I have a good friend here who who has uh, encouraged me a lot. His name is Brian, and he is the one who pushed me. He. He's the one who always, like, puts these ideas in my mind, like, mm -hmm. hey, you need to do this. And he was like, hey, you should probably have, like, all liquid nutrition. It would probably be a good idea. This was before I had hired David. And so I started looking at liquid nutrition and stuff like that. And I, I just, actually, this year, I'm switching to a company called XRCell and uh, using their liquid nutrition. So XRCell? How do you spell Yeah, XRCEL. So. Okay. Yeah, which it's their their nutrition is a it's an instant glucose release, and then they have a uh, they combine the glucose with like a gel, mm -hmm. and so it's a slow release through the intestines, mm -hmm. and so you're not going to have like the upset stomach that you would on some of these other nutritions and mm -hmm. different things like that. But so that's what I'm using this year. Uh, I started with a with a different brand and. Uh, really like actually using liquid nutrition but mm -hmm. in in my races I tend to also want something solid <laughs> and yeah. so yeah I, I've kept my bonk breaker bars and I do one of those during the bike ride typically mm -hmm. at least right now but my coach has also said I know like at the level that you're at and at the level that you're going to be you know continuing to get to you, mm -hmm. you're going to want just all liquid nutrition. You're not going to feel yeah. like a solid. So my next race in Ironman New Zealand, I'm going to just do 100% pure uh, liquid nutrition. So, Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I was um, chatting with uh, just over online um, the guy that won Ultraman this year. And you talk yeah. about a long time on the bike, right? A long time, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And he said something really interesting that um, yeah, liquid nutrition and then um, slices of uh, like uh, potato, right? Like boiled or really? potato. yeah, like you know, huh. diced, diced up. So, yeah, you know, the size of a of a Starburst or, or I don't know, whatever, right? And um, or a chunk. And yeah. I said, really, that's 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 actually I hadn't thought of that. That's pretty smart. And he said, yeah, it's it gives you something, you know, that settles in your stomach. Um, so it gives you something, something solid. solid. Yeah, but it's a potato, right? So you digest it almost immediately. Um, but it, but it is a solid, but it's just starch, you know, so you just, your body just powers through it. It's like that's, so for a few rides after that, I went out with a Ziploc baggie with, um, <laughs> I baked a potato and then diced it up and then, um, uh, put sea salt on it and, oh, delicious. and then just ate that as I was, uh, riding along. And it was amazing. Like, I was like, holy cow, that's a really cool solution. So, yeah. um, that's why I like talking to people better. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done that before on, yeah. yeah, on rides uh, uh -huh. when I'm when I'm at home. I've never I've never taken the potato out like on a long ride. I've just done it on my trainer and uh -huh. done sweet potatoes on my trainer. Yeah. I've done all sorts of things. I've done yeah. like, during Christmas time I do gingerbread house and stuff like that. So <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, the first ever Iron Man, I, I, the, I interviewed the guy that won the first ever Iron Man, and he ate um, chocolate chip cookies out of a plastic grocery sack off of his handlebars <laughs> on his road bike. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, really? It, it wasn't a problem. He goes, nope. I won. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It worked fine. Um, yeah. All right, so let's talk about uh, what, what races did you do last year? I did Ironman New Zealand. Uh-huh. I ended up fifth there. Uh, not not what I wanted. I had lots of excuses that I could name off. <laughs> and yeah. then I did Oceanside three weeks later uh-huh. and um, didn't do so awesome there. I didn't have legs after New Zealand. And then I did Ironman Texas last uh-huh. year as well. Yeah. I ended up uh, 13th there mm-hmm. and uh, really had a competitive great competitive race that year. Yeah. yeah, it was. I had a great, a great swim and a bike, but it's a triathlon, not a duathlon. So yeah. <laughs> the run didn't go so well. And then I did, and then took a little time off and then just kind of regrouped and whatnot for, for the summertime and ended up hiring David in August. Mm-hmm. We started together. And then had my first race with him in November, mm-hmm. and it was Ironman Malaysia, which I told you the horror story of that race. <laughs> oh, yeah, the traveling and the food poisoning. Yeah, food yeah, or? the traveling, and then I had, yeah, I had yeah. got sick the night before, and then I had mechanical issues with my bike. I was off for mm-hmm. my bike for like 20 minutes, the first like five miles, and then mm-hmm. got a flat, and then... The nursing side of me turned on, and I was I was dehydrated to start the race because of getting sick the night before, and yeah, just knew I was getting like medically, you know, in the areas of you know needing medical attention with the dehydration I was uh, having. I mean, it's you know it's like what ninety five degrees, one hundred percent humidity. Like it's it's like the day that you ran your ultra baby, right? Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> what is going on? And then I looked at the weather, you know, like, how hot is it outside? I had I had to have somebody else ask, you know, because yeah. I'm in the middle of running. And they're like, yeah, it's like 95 degrees. Yeah, it's like, you don't yeah. want to know. I was like, oh, man, no wonder this is so horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I ended up, I ended up stopping like at a bed tent and they wanted to take me to the hospital. And I told them I wasn't going to go to the hospital in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I won't go to a hospital in the States. I'm not going to go to one in Malaysia. So like, I am a nurse. I know what's going on. Yeah, I know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, ended up, uh, I, I got it back to T2 and I uh, just went home with, my husband was there. So, we just, I DNF'd. It was the first race of my life that I've DNF'd. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was, that was hard, but it was a hard decision that you had to make and I learned yeah. The most from that race than I have any other race. So, so it wasn't it wasn't the best. You well, know, what did you learn in that race then? Year. What did I learn? Yeah, don't go to well, Malaysia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I learned uh, way too much. So, <clears throat> I learned that I knew nothing about bike mechanics, oh, and yeah. that I really needed to uh, learn more about it because, like, my chain got stuck and I didn't know what was wrong with that. And then I actually think. I put my derailleur on wrong, and so I was, at, I was having issues with that. I oh, wow. I never picked up power from my power meter that I had on my bike, and just you know, I I learned that I needed to know how to adjust things on my bike myself. Which mm-hmm. which David, I was just you know obviously in the woodlands for the training camp, and David took me through an afternoon of of bike mechanics one hundred and one. 
<laughs> what mm-hmm. to do. Um, and then, I mean, I just learned lots of, lots of little things, uh, about like setting up my bike in transition and what I needed to do different with all of that. Yeah. And then I learned like my breakfast. I always have a solid for breakfast. I typically do the same thing that I do for my long ride days, which is either like pancakes, muffins, or like bonk breaker bars, like one of those. So I'll do that. And so I usually do that for my race, but being sick the night before, my stomach just wasn't settled. And so I needed, uh, now what I do is I have a backup liquid nutrition in case I can't stomach a solid nutrition, which you know, a lot of people, sometimes people are nervous in the morning and, and mm-hmm. they can't stomach that solid that they had planned on and, and everything. Uh, I also learned that I need to pay more attention to the uh, little intricacies of international flights and international travel <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I was having issues with. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's hop in this interview real quick with Jocelyn to give a mention to Living Fuel, livingfuel.com. Go check them out. They sent me recently uh, their plant-based protein, which they say is the bomb.com. It's pretty funny. But oh my gosh, it tastes so good. I let a coworker try it and she was like, oh my gosh, that is so good. That was her favorite. It's kind of like a vanilla, uh, vanilla yellow uh, pea and brown rice protein which is so good. It tastes awesome. It's got prebiotics and probiotics in it. And it's nice to add to green smoothies that if you want to add in some protein, which usually you do. And let's see, it comes in a tub that you can just scoop it out. And oh man, it's so good. And they sent me um, uh, these like chia and coconut seed packets, which uh, I handed out a few at work and people just flip out about those. They're so good. And they're like, how did you get this? I said I got uh, I got it as part of my podcast. Start a podcast, and maybe uh, you can get some too, <laughs> or go buy some. They're like, really? How did you get this? We looked this up online. This stuff is awesome. And I said, yeah, livingfuel.com. It's awesome. They sent me some because they wanted me to talk about it on the show. And they make a green smoothie, uh, a mix, a powdered mix that you can add. It's got chia seeds in it, and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, just all around, uh, really, really cool. Lots of coconut and lots of fiber and lots of healthy uh, vitamin and nutrition uh, in their vitamins and nutrition in their stuff so you can catch up on anything that you're missing and make sure that you're eating nice and healthy. All right, that's it, livingfuel.com. Let's get back to our interview with Jocelyn. Here we go. Um, I didn't know how to take care of a bike until I started mountain biking. Yeah. And then a friend of mine made fun of me because I didn't know how to change a tire, even though I've been riding bikes my entire life. But now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like 20, 20 something years old, like maybe 20, 20. And uh, I was taking my bike and the tire change. What? And I said, <laughs> well, yeah, I got I to gotta flat tire. He's like, dude, you need to fix that yourself. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the cheapskate in me, once he told me how much you know money I would save, I was like, holy cow. Because a college student. You know? and, yeah, like, why am I doing that? Yeah. And, but the cool thing about quality racing bikes is except for like working on like the crank like the bottom bracket like taking that apart and maybe the headset like everything else on a bike is pretty much made for you to work on yourself quickly yeah it's amazing you know everything is like an allen wrench away from you adjusting it yourself and you go look at like a cheap bike from from uh, walmart 
you know, like a hundred dollar, uh, they call them a BSO, a bike shaped object because they're such <laughs> crap. The, uh, they're like really difficult to work on because everything's, they don't expect you to ever do anything with it. Yeah. But a race bike, yeah, you can adjust everything. And, and then once you get that, then, then it's like, okay, this is adjustable. I just don't know how. So you can kind of like poke at things. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, yeah. no, it's the other way I need to do it. So. Yeah. Oh, that's the wrong way. Oh, how do I adjust that? You know, nothing on that bike is fixed. Everything is, is adjustable and, and yeah. changeable. Yeah. Um, well, that's really cool that you spent some time learning that. That, that's a, that comes in handy so much. And then to help other people too. Yeah, well, it's funny that you talked about, about changing tires because I, mm-hmm. oh, well, changing tubes. I'm, I'm horrible, horrible at that. It takes me like 10 minutes to do it. Mm-hmm. So it actually on my schedule, literally on my schedule for these next three weeks is like race. Oh, I don't remember what he called it. But like basically I have to change my tire, my tube. He wants mm-hmm. me to keep practicing changing my tube until yeah. I can get it under three minutes. So <laughs> That's pretty fast. Yeah. That's really fast. But you know what? In your field, that's that's a that's something you need to know how to do, right? That yeah. actually matters. It does. Uh, how fast does. you can do that. Yeah, so does. are you riding you're riding uh, uh, clincher tires with tubes inside? Clinchers, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah, those I've are way easier. Tube. I've never ridden uh, tubulars, so okay. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> yeah. Well I've heard um, I ride I ride uh, a lot of people ride these, the uh, Grand Prix two thousand or what is it, Grand Prix five thousand S which are like the fastest tire, and then with latex tubes, they're considered to feel almost exactly the same as tubeless. So, yeah. yeah, David had me get latex tubes, and I don't remember what tires. Mm-hmm. He sent me the link and said, you need these, and I said, okay, and I got them. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. there's a whole bunch of things, like with like what adapters to use, like valve extenders and stuff that end up being really low maintenance and that work, and all, all, yeah, there's all kinds of little tricks you know, over time. So yeah. let's talk about um, Dubai. Yeah. So, you got a couple mentions in the uh, slow twitch press, the uh, triathlon press, about you got, <laughs> did you get fourth? Or yeah, yeah I got at fourth. Dubai against some, like, some serious girls out there. So, there was some good competition, yeah. yeah. So, what's it like lining up against Danielle Reef? And was uh, Carolyn Stefan in this too? Or, mm-hmm. yeah, Carolyn yeah. Stefan, Danielle Reef, um, and then Kaiza got third, uh-huh. uh, Andrea Forrest. And then uh, Corn Abraham, and uh, I'm gonna miss one other big name. Uh-huh. Uh, it slipped me. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh, Tiny Deckers. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, all of those girls are just you know they've all they've all won you know countless mm-hmm. Ironmans. Or and then half. there's Jocelyn. And right then there's there me, the, who's from like... College Station, Texas. Right. <laughs> against all these Germans and... and <laughs> so, right. So, right. Uh, yeah. So I was the only how, American female there, and then yeah. there was Brad Williams, You're and like, he was the only American male, so... Like, howdy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, you... Um, how Did you get there... How many days ahead did you get there? Were you able to actually go out and check out the course, or was it like... The, did they do the, the race on, like, freeway like they've done before and other races like that, where you can't actually get on the course? Yeah, you can't get on the course. It's yeah. it's basically all on this freeway mm-hmm. that you can't get on. I mean, it's not considered a freeway. My homestead was saying it's it's not technically considered a freeway, but it's still you're not allowed to bike on roads that I think are over sixty kilometers an hour for mm-hmm. speed limit there. Yeah. 
and it was over 60 kilometers an hour. I think it was 80 or something for the speed limit. But Dubai has some amazing uh, cycle tracks mm -hmm. that are, you know, just dedicated specifically to bikes. I And I think they're different than, like, what I think of as here in the States, like, with, like, the the bike, you know, trails or whatever mm -hmm. that, like, recreational riders go on and stuff. Like, the cycle tracks is where most people go and ride their bikes. And, I mean, the cycle tracks they have are dedicated, well, one of them at least is dedicated just for cyclists. Like, mm -hmm. there's no runners on it or walkers. It's just for cyclists. And it's the size of a road. It's as wide as a road is. And it's just amazing um, yeah. what they have out there. And, like, if the road if the road crosses it, like, they have... They have guards there to make sure that cars aren't going to cross the road while a bike is coming. And oh wow, That's yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, they have like shower facilities there. And, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Like out out at one of the cycle tracks, it's out in the desert, and they have you know all these facilities. They even have a bike shop that's open from like 6 a.m. to like I don't know, way too late at night. You mm -hmm. know, whenever any cyclist would be there. And the cafe and everything out in the middle of this desert. So <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So even though you can't go on the course, you can go on some pretty awesome areas to go go practice. At least in the heat. And yeah. well, it wasn't too hot, but. <laughs> so Dubai is a is a half Ironman. Yeah. And so I saw in the article that you came out of the water. No. Seventh. In seventh, and then yeah. you worked your way up to uh, fourth. You worked my up well, so I came out of the water, which was shortened because there were winds that were twenty five to thirty five mile an hour mm -hmm. up to fifty mile an hour gusts it is what I've heard yeah. uh, what was said, so like the swells were predicted to be like two meters, so like six oh. feet, yeah. yeah, so they had to put us in this little harbor, and the pros we did two loops, the amateurs only did one loop of like six hundred meters, so we did a twelve hundred. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we had a seven, uh, wait, yeah, 750 meter, so almost a half mile run in the sand to <laughs> transition. So that was ridiculous. But yeah, but I, in your case, anytime it goes back over to running, right? You're a collegiate, yeah. you're a collegiate <laughs> runner. That's not a problem. Like anytime right, like, yeah. I do a trap on and they have to shorten the swim, I get mad. I'm like, this is my one thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was yeah. happy with the yeah. I was happy with the short and swim, but then after the fact, I'm like, actually, I kind of wish that it was the same. I wish it was the full length. I mean, I had just spent yeah, true. three weeks of swim camp, like in the pool, like ten to twelve hours for you know a week, yeah. you know. So it was like my swim fitness was there. I mean, obviously, my swim is the worst out of anything, but but yeah. So I came out in seventh, but really five and six were just right in front of me. I drafted off of them in the swim the whole okay, time. Yeah. So five, five through eight, we all came out together. And uh, my transition times really stink. They're, they're at least 30 seconds off of anyone else out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, uh, and, and my, <laughs> so I am not like the typical pro clipping the shoes on the bike and, you know, doing the flying mounts. Like mm -hmm. I am such a noob. So I, uh, I put my shoes on and ran with my shoes, <laughs> ran with my bike out of transition and clipped on and went on my way. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just started clipping girls off and uh, just kept putting in time. I mean, I was just holding the watts that I was supposed to hold. And uh, we, the wind was at our back, so it felt great, like just cranking it out, going out there. And 
And then I uh, was getting to the turnaround. I had no idea what place I was in because I didn't know what place I was in coming out of the water. So there's no point in counting the girls I was passing because I had no idea. I could have been, you know, in 13th place. I could have been, you know, who knows. So so I kept looking because it's an out and back. I kept looking for the girls coming back from the turnaround. And I knew that it was going to be Daniela Reef. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, she was going to win this race. I think everyone predicted that at least. So... I was, you know, looking for her and looking for her, and I, I didn't see her. You know, I had these guys coming by, and, you know, didn't see her, didn't see her. And it's like, maybe I missed her because I was starting, and I could see the turnarounds where her, everyone was turning around. I was like, I had to have missed her because there's no way that I'm this close to her. So, so mm-hmm. I so back thoughts. to the, yeah. yeah. So then I saw these two girls in red, and it ended up being Danielle and Caroline. But I was, I was like, that. That looked like Danielle and Caroline, but that couldn't have been because I'm literally 30 seconds down from them. Right. And I, there's no way that I, like, am 30 seconds down from the reigning world champion, like, uh-huh. <laughs> at all. There's, like, just no way. So I kind of brushed it off, but I was like, no, there's there's no way. And then coming back in, um, a guy said, a guy yelled at me, and he was like, you're a third place woman, third place woman. So I was like, oh, I guess that was, was Danielle and Caroline, so... I, uh, <clears throat> on the way out to the turnaround, I had seen them and I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I'm going to catch these girls. So then we can all legal draft. Obviously, you still get draft savings even if you're 12 meters back. Uh-huh. Yeah. So legal draft into the wind on the way back to transition. But uh, I put in a surge too late and they put in a surge when they saw me. And uh, they, you know, obviously got to transition before I did. But uh, one of my one of my crazy stupid triathlon goals uh, has always been to have a cyclist with me on the run, mm-hmm. so to be one of the top three, uh, yeah. just because it's fun to have that little uh, you know cyclist with you. It's kind of cool. So seeing that cyclist uh, waiting for me as it came out of transition was just awesome and surreal. Uh, being in third place, and I did the first loop, staying in third place, and then Kaiza caught me. During the start of the second loop, it was a three-loop course for the run. She caught me during the second loop. We ran together for about a mile for like half a loop, and then uh, the I think it's a third-place male pro came by, mm-hmm. and she took off with him. And it was it was like a a twenty thirty second per mile difference, uh, minute per mile, you know, seconds per mile difference mm-hmm. between our speed and his then the speed that she took. And I was like, there's no way that I'm holding that speed. I just, I, I can't. So, yeah. so uh, I said, see you later and uh, ended up fourth. So, yeah, it was a good race. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, it yeah. is a goal to have like the, the bicyclist with you. Yeah. Out of the way, third place female coming through. <laughs> right? You're I know. Well, the first. He had a whistle. So he would just blow this whistle all uh-huh. the time and, you know, get us all around the, yeah. the path. So, when I was doing, you're talking about the run, when I was doing the Ultra Baby run. Kai went and got a thing and strapped it to the front of his bicycle that said first place male. Oh, that's so awesome. Was, he did it without anybody. Like Emily didn't tell him to do it or anything. And I turned around and he had that on there. And he's like, look, daddy. And I was, I thought it was so fun. I'm like, the, I'm the only place male. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so cool. Yeah, that's so, so cool like he can just go run that. your own race. And have, he's a good guy. A good boy. Yeah, whatever. he's a good boy. So this is really, really cool. Okay, so was that your, that was your most recent race? That just happened, right? Yeah, like that was um, a week ago. So does yeah. that make you feel, um, that's some really serious competition. 
Yeah. Right. And so you had so, uh, some difficult races, right? This past year, yeah. going yeah. pro. I mean, that's that's pretty typical, though, right? First year pro. You're now you're in you're in the big league, and yeah. you got to learn like how they're doing. It's a different style of racing. Right? It is totally different. That yeah. I don't think that people realize how different the world is. Like I thought, okay, so it's going to be like the same thing except faster, right? Uh-huh. But it, yeah, like feeling your way through it, and that's why I'm very very grateful for David. And I mean, he has so much experience in the in the pro coaching field and and whatnot to have him help guide me through this crazy journey so so how, how has your training changed is it you know, more volume but easier more volume about the same but with more intervals mixed in uh, more focus yeah. on this or more focus on that like what's going on so I I mean a couple of things that I've changed with him is that I do I do more strength training I mean my sister always wanted me to do strength training I just didn't never do it so uh-huh. So, so uh, I think I hold myself more accountable to to someone who's not my sister than to, you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, what does she know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and, yeah, I would question things or I'd be like, yeah, you know, I don't really feel like doing that. And That's true. So, so, yeah, I could do more strength training um, specific stuff. And then I, I don't have too much more volume than what I started doing with, Meredith, my sister, she, I mean, because we bumped up volume after I decided to go pro. So mm. we were doing like, I don't know, around 20 hours a week, 22 hours a week. Um, and so I, I, my volume isn't like that much higher. Mm-hmm. It's just intensity. I have a lot more intensity in my workouts than I did before. So, But is it the case because now you don't have to show up at work? work like certain hours you can make up for that intensity with more rest like get more sleep when you need to yeah yeah for the most part I mean still I mean I love it when people tell me oh well all you have to do is train all day so <laughs> I was like well I have this little like two-year-old she's almost three she'll be three in April mommy, and I was mommy, like, mommy, yeah mommy, exactly, mommy, exactly. Mommy. like I can't just fall asleep whenever I want to typically so <laughs> yeah that's true does she ever do the thing where she wants you to see something she's doing? I know she's only two. The guy does it. Oh my god, it's so funny. He's like, "Daddy, daddy, 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 daddy," and then so you're like, "What?" You know, and you look, and he's like, he gives you a thumbs up. Yeah. Like, what was that? It's yeah. Like, or he wants to show you like one single Lego piece, but it's yellow. You're like, okay, yeah, hey, that's great. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, really, what she does, her new thing these last couple weeks is like mommy mommy and she'll like mommy come here and she'll come over and she'll grab my hand and like take me to, and she's uh-huh. like okay now draw <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i know what i want you to do now do it <laughs> that's funny all right okay so what's what i got a question about pros who's your uh female pro role model like who what oh. pro would you say that you're trying to be the most like like in certain areas, it could be like a combo of pros, like you know, Wellington's performance, somebody else's like <laughs> like um, charisma. Yeah, like charisma or like uh, execution of professionalism or something like that. Um, traveling, like this person, or if you put some people together, who who are your role models? And oh, that's a hard question. Who are your favorite pros? And like, yeah. Why? Well, the thing is, is that I'm I'm so new to mm-hmm. the sport 
that I mean, I, I mean, my sister, my my friends make fun of me all the time for not knowing no. these people, and I mean, I've gotten obviously a lot better through this last year, and even through these last couple months of of knowing my competition and knowing um, who they are, and and that those things, but uh, I still don't feel like I know the pro fields, uh, you know, that well. I mean, obviously, I think you know. Um, Rennie is, is awesome. I mean, being, you know, world champion that many times is just awesome. And her being an awesome runner, I love running. And running has always been my strength in triathlon, mm-hmm. even though Dubai, my bike was stronger than my run. But yeah. uh, running has always been my strength. And that's, that's you know, I, like I said, I have some random, crazy, weird triathlon goals. And one of my triathlon goals would be to be able to break her run course record in Kona one year. Oh, wow. Cool. That's yeah. a good goal. Yeah. Why not? You know, one of those crazy yeah. random goals. We'll see if it happens, uh-huh. but throwing it out there. So, so I really like her. And, uh, I think that, uh, I met Meredith Kessler last year in New Zealand and she, her, uh, she is very good at media approach and, uh-huh that type of professionalism um she is so well spoken she can i wish i could talk like she can she is just very well spoken and you can come on the zen Tri podcast and practice it'll be all right yeah <laughs> we'll let you awesome. do that awesome yeah. thank you yeah. <laughs> um and then i mean so it's funny but like two two of the athletes that david coaches they're guys but uh matt hansen and cody beals uh they're both just, I mean, Cody is just fun, and he's just a, such a fun-loving guy, uh-huh. uh, and his personality is just amazing, and, and Matt's professionalism, I wish I could emulate. He's very he's very serious about his sport and very serious about all the little things that need to happen mm-hmm. to play out right to make, you know, dreams come true, so... All right, last little blurb in here. I want to give a shout out to Chris Haig Racing. Chris Haig Racing. Check him out on the internet. Type in Chris and then add Haig, H-A-G-U-E, and then type in racing and then type search. Hit the search button on the Googles and you'll get to Chris Haig Racing. And he is a wonderful coach. Used to race at University of the South at Sewanee and track. And that is critical to good race performance. Great attitude, great coach, really got his act together. Make sure that you go and check him out. But only, only check out Chris Haig Racing after you hear my blurb at the end of this podcast where I'm saying that I am available to hire uh, for one more athlete. I've got one slot available. I can take on a coaching client right now. And I can only take one. So get your name in the queue and let me know. And that is at texafornia at gmail.com. Let me know. And then after you've let me know that you need a coach, then you can contact Chris, okay? <laughs> I got to look after number one over here. But by the way, Chris is awesome. And uh, he's a fantastic coach. And he's actually beaten me at a race. So put that in your back pocket and think about it. Okay, chrishagracing.com. Go check him out, and let's get back to our interview with Jocelyn. Here we go. Let's wrap it up with telling you telling us how your bike is set up. I always find this fascinating, how different <laughs> successful triathletes um, arrange their gear on their bike. So, like, for example, um, 
because what you do is so helpful, you know, to give other people ideas. Yeah. Um, there's people that, you know, like on their bike computer, they, they hide their watts, for example, so they don't, they oh. go more by feel, right? And so that they don't chase watts, you know, and then go too hard. Yeah. Uh, there's people who do a water bottle pretty much for every hour, like their fuel mixed so that it's like really liquid, like, you know, so it's easy to digest. Right. And they'll put on, for an Ironman, you know, three water bottles for the first, you know, two and a half hours, two hours or whatever, until they get to special needs, you know, and then pick up two, three more water bottles. They're all fuel bottles, right? Right. And, and but some people will do all their fuel concentrated, you know, into like one or and two bottles. Yeah. And then just kind of add water as they go. Um, so like I, I'm talking about down to the point, down to the point of like when you come out of the water and you get on your bike. Like where on your handlebars do you like to keep your bike computer so you can see, do you keep it where like up near your wrists where you can see it all the time or do you keep it further back where you, you don't look at it as much or how do you like yeah, it? Yeah, so, so that's interesting you, you ask about that because uh, my power meter, it's a Stages power meter mm -hmm. and they have, uh, well, the Garmin 910 and 920 mm -hmm. don't like pick up the Stages uh, very well. Yeah. So they said it was because it was like a triathlon specific watch that it doesn't pick up very well. Mm -hmm. So I can't have it on my wrist or it drops my power like mm -hmm. every like 20 seconds. Right. So I had to put it on like my, my hoods, like of my arrow bars. Mm -hmm. And so it was like right next to my elbow, basically, um, down below and strapped to my, strapped to my bike because I didn't have a different bike computer. So that's, that's where I typically kept it, you know, until just actually this week, I had a friend who was trying to get rid of a Garmin 500. So I just bought that off of him to put on my bike, uh, which will go, I have an arrow bottle, like right in between my arrow, uh, my arrow bars mm -hmm. and the Garmin, uh, have a connection thing that will snap right into the arrow bottle on my arrow bars. So it'll sit right there for me. So yeah, so that was a very horrible thing to try to unlatch my watch from my bike mm -hmm. as I came into transition mm -hmm. in Dubai, like trying to make sure I didn't drop my watch mm -hmm. and get it off at the same time. But but in terms of what I set my watch up with, I actually set it up with a 10-second average for my watts, a big number right on top. And then I have the time and distance in the two boxes underneath. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I know, you know, how much time I've gone and then if there's a turnaround, how soon that's going to come up and different things like that. So, uh, I do like seeing my, <coughs> excuse me, I do like seeing my watts, uh, cause that's what I train off of the mm -hmm. whole time. And, and that's something that I learned last year in my racing is that I need to race how I train. And if I train by feel, then I would race by feel. But if I train by watts, then I'm going to race by watts. Okay. You know, why change anything on race day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't do that. So, like, that's why I do the same breakfast, same uh -huh. everything. It's going to be the same for race day. So, so yeah, train off my watts or race off my watts. I do hide my heart rate. I really? don't. Yeah, well, actually, in Dubai, I didn't even wear a heart rate monitor. Okay. Why? <laughs> well, because mine broke before I left. <laughs> oh, well, there's that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, my coach was like, well, you can borrow mine. But I was like, you know, I, I'm not even going to look at it. So, why does uh -huh. it matter? It does. I mean, we could look at it after and see, but I'm not going to even look at it, so it doesn't matter. I I think heart rate to me has a I, everyone's different, and mm -hmm. heart rate to me has a more emotional um, like 
I don't know, connection with it. And so if I see like a heart rate of, you know, in the one sixties and, you know, but I was feeling fine, you know, and I was feeling like, oh, this is fine. Like I'm not having issues at all. But then I saw that heart rate and then I'm like, oh, but I should feel like horrible. So, <laughs> yeah. so now I do feel horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't want to psych myself out with that. So I don't look at that and I, I uh, don't wear that. So, and I chafe off of my heart rate monitor a lot anyways. Mm-hmm. So it was good not to have it. Um, and then in terms of nutrition, uh, I do, like I said, like all new liquid nutrition. So for, for the half in Dubai, what I did is I had... Um, I had two bottles of uh, liquid nutrition, and then I had one bottle of water on my bike. And the bottles held like 260 calories okay. in them. Yeah. And so I did um, each of those. Uh, I I basically and I ended up averaging like right around 300 calories, right under 300 calories an oh. hour for the bike. Because, you know, old habits die hard, right? And uh-huh. I had uh, I had sour geckos. So they're like uh-huh. just like sour gummy worms. <laughs> but sour geckos yeah. on the bike as because well. Because you're in Dubai. Geckos. Exactly. Yeah. I had to do gummy worms desert style. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had sour geckos on the bike. I spaced uh-huh. those out like in between the bottles of liquid nutrition and, uh-huh. and throughout the race and stuff. So I didn't have like a sh- huge like sugar high off of them or anything, but it was added, added calories, added nutrition. So averaged around 300. Um, for a full, I'll do, or, you know, the same type of thing, but I'll average just, uh, you know, I'll average above 300 for a full per hour uh, of yeah. liquid nutrition on the bike. Um, and then on the run, I do choose I just uh, like some gummy chews um, for the run. This this last race, I did bog breaker gummy chews for the run, and uh, that was another that was a learning experience from this last race. Is that I uh, only had like 180 calories for the run, mm-hmm. and so my coach was like, "Yeah, we're needing to bump that up." So I'm gonna have to yeah. I'm gonna bump that up in my training and train my stomach to be able to handle. Uh, more than that. I mean, I think I can handle more than that, but I, I bought a little bit yeah. yeah, at the end. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about this gummy thing a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> how do you find, I think a lot of people don't know this, but you think the gummies, gummies could actually kind of be as fast or slow as you want, right? Because you can just kind of yeah. hold them in your mouth and slowly trickle the calories, or yeah. you, can, um, you can chew them up real quick and then get them right to your stomach and then they'll digest faster or, or what? Yeah, I you know it is simple sugar and 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 stuff, but I I would have to look up the research study. But I actually, um, one of my friends sent this research study to me about uh, having sugar in your mouth, um, that like somehow will turn that 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 not that thought process, but almost when you're bonking mm-hmm. and you're feeling your mind is telling your body I can't go anymore. Mm-hmm. It will turn or at least elongate that time until your body, your mind tries to shut your body down. Yeah. It will elongate that if you just have that sugar in your mouth and your your body, even though even though you might not be, you know, swallowing it and digesting it, it's in your mouth and your body thinks that it's getting more energy and it thinks that it's gonna have energy so it can keep going and it doesn't need to be scared and shut down. So yeah, it's the 
something like along the lines of the central governor theory where your brain right. will shut yeah. down your body before your body's actually needing to be shut down. And so if your brain right. knows that there's sugar coming, it'll go, okay, you know, we can keep going. Exactly. That's like crazy. trying to yeah. elongate that central governor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my, my coach, uh, uh, for this next ride that I have going tomorrow, he was like, and use real nutrition, not candy. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, but I mean, still that's not, I don't think that's too bad of a, of a, of a nutrition, uh, gimmick or, you know, tool. I think, I mean, gummies are, I mean, and jelly beans, I mean, around the world, lots of pros use those strategically. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, so honestly, why I started using jelly beans uh-huh. is I'm probably the cheapest triathlete that you will ever meet. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I don't know. No. You're running with, at least with shoes. I ran without shoes for a long time to save money. <laughs> <laughs> it worse. Well, yeah. yes, but I've always gotten my shoes for free. So yeah, that's true. It <laughs> doesn't really count when they're free. So, but uh, I started training, you know, obviously my long rides for Texas were right around April. Uh-huh. So that's right around Easter time. Yeah. When all of the jelly beans come out, yeah. And so, like right after Easter, like the bags of jelly beans, they, came, they were like twenty five cents for a bag. Yeah. Like, ah, cheapest nutrition out there, yeah. right? Like fuel two long rides with like a bag of jelly beans for twenty five cents. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, you know what? That that reminds me. Let's let's wrap it up with uh, you telling us uh, uh, how do you eat on a on like a day to day basis? Like, if you had to describe your diet, like where would it fall? Like you just eat like whole foods or you kind of eat whatever or. Yeah, it's mostly, it's mostly whole foods. So I am both gluten-free and dairy-free because of, um, different medical reasons. Uh-huh. Um, uh, two autoimmune diseases I have, I, I have celiacs. And, um, so, you know, with that, like whole foods are just a lot easier because I mean, gluten-free foods, at, like refined foods at the store, are just ridiculously expensive. I mean, it's like and they usually taste terrible. Yeah, I mean, I have my favorites. Like Snyder's pretzels makes a gluten-free uh-huh. pretzel that yeah. are good. Oh, and... Snyder's is awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. Great. They make like... those jalapeno pretzels that are just ridiculously <laughs> good. Yeah, well, they make yeah. the honey mustard. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that it's gluten free, and oh, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. So my actually, my daughter prefers gluten free pretzels. Oddly enough, huh. it's weird. Um, and then like Pamela's brand, I love them, and mm-hmm. just these different brands, you find them. But anyway, so for the most part, though, it's a lot easier to just eat whole foods that are, you know, <laughs> you know, naturally gluten free. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess like, so like for day to day, like in the morning, um, right now, at least I'm eating like a muffin or two before workout that I do in the morning, go work out, come back and have like a real breakfast. I'll do like eggs and veggies and stuff. Sometimes put eggs over oatmeal, um, which I actually grind my own oats because they taste better that way. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, and then like another workout lunch will typically be a salad with some protein on it um another workout if I have another one and then like a snack I do a lot of bananas with almond butter is like probably my favorite snack I have um and then dinner uh just like yeah protein and and veggies I mean last tonight we had uh we had tacos which I didn't have any corn tortillas or anything so I just had like a taco salad um yeah so 
Yeah. Are you, um, I'm finding all this uh, high fat, low carb, you know, stuff really interesting. The, all the metabolism, uh, yeah. engineering your own metabolism to be more, uh, to burn more fat. Um, and I, I find it like, like, uh, it's really fascinating. Um, people, cause there's, there's, there's ways to eat, but then there's also taking into consideration if you're a triathlete, you're burning through so many calories, right? So yeah. you got to be really careful with saying you're cutting back on something because, man, you need all the calories you can get for certain stuff. So yes. do you go out of your way to add more fat into your diet or do you go out of your way to add in more carbs or you leave those the same and don't think about them and you just go out of your way to add in more protein or, or what do you do? Um, so I've, I've tracked, um, you know, my, my nutrition on, you know, just like the normal, like whatever the my my fitness pal or something mm -hmm. app yeah and uh and typically i don't get enough protein so oh, i yeah. i don't track it every day right now um but so i would just make sure that i just you know whenever i have a choice to add protein in something i make sure i get some more protein and um i mean i'm not i'm not shy with using oil and whatnot in my cooking. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I did like some, you know, a bell pepper with onion, you know, garlic stir fry thing for our tacos this yeah. evening. And yeah, like, you know, I, I love using avocado oil and I love using oh, olive oil. I need to oil. get some of that. Yeah. Yeah. You can get avocado oil really cheap at Costco. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe I've never really used it because I love avocados. And yeah. Oh, my gosh. It, it's a really good flavor. Mm -hmm. And actually, I love popping popcorn with avocado oil. It oh, gives it this awesome. really good, just, I don't know, this nutty flavor to it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need anything else on it besides salt. So it's really good. So, yeah. I mean, I I don't go out of my way to, to you know, go and eat more fat or more, you know, anything, well, more protein, mm -hmm. but you know, I'm not, I'm not shy about having a lot of fat and a lot of oil and almond butter, you know, um, in my diet. So, well, cool. Let's, uh, let's give a shout out to some of your sponsors and, uh, sign off. Who you, who are you racing with this year? You said, uh, you've got, uh, XR cell, which I'm yes, going to look up as nutrition. nutrition. Who's giving you your shoes? My shoes are coming from a local bike, sh uh, local um, running store here called uh -huh. Buckeye Running Company. Uh -huh. um, my bike is a Quintana Roo bike, All right. so I'm so lucky to be with them this year. Yeah. And um, then all my bike work is done by a local bike shop here, Reeser Bicycle. And then I'm also with TriSports.com. Um, they're oh, wow. yeah, they're awesome because I've bought a lot of stuff from them in the past. Yeah, because so. they have everything. They have everything you would ever <laughs> That's want. That's what you want. I exactly. remember somebody Someone was talking about um, uh, Craig Alexander, you know, going from specialized. Oh, he picked up a different bike spot. Argon, right? Yeah. Argon 18. Or, and uh, they were like, I, I said in this thread, I said, that's great because I love Argons. They're beautiful. These beautiful bikes. Um, but what you got to remember is specialized makes everything. So yeah. you get sponsored by specialized. You get helmet, everything, bike yeah. pumps, shoes, gloves, jerseys, like they make everything. So yeah, being sponsored by TriSports. Right. Yeah. Is it TriSport or TriSports.com? I can't remember. TriSports with an S. Tri yeah. TriSports.com. Yeah. That's the big website, right? Where you order everything. Yeah. 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 Swim bike rent shop. So. Wow. Swim bike rent shop. So that, that's their like little like <laughs> I know, you know, tagline awesome. or whatever. <laughs> that's so cool. 
Well, that's cool. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Um, and then I also have another partnership with Audio Flood. They're a waterproof iPod mm-hmm. shuffle. Yeah. Um, for swimming or even for, you know, yeah, writing when you're sweating. Sweatproof, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I have a friend who's, I think she's killed like five of them, mm-hmm. like five non-waterproof ones because yeah. <laughs> of sweat. I so. used to do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder why. Then, <laughs> yeah, Bonk Breaker, Bonk uh-huh. Breaker Bars, Blue 70, and then my physio here is uh, Beyond Exercise. And then my very first sponsor that I ever got was Trigger Point. The uh, trigger point balls and uh, rolling, you know, just yeah. self massage techniques. Yeah, so. I've had some of that. That stuff really works. That's cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Did I, did I forget anything? Anything you want to say out there? Um, you, you didn't ask me what my pro goals were. Yeah. That was what your what question. are your pro goals? <laughs> well, you wanna you wanna try to beat Rennie's uh, run time at Kona. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what what else do you want to do? Uh, I also want a podium at Kona, which I would hope would happen if I beat Rennie's runtime. <laughs> yeah, that would. That'd probably fall right in there. Right, right. Yeah, podium at Kona. What a, yeah, that's. Right. I mean, these are all not this year goals, mm-hmm. but in the future goals. <laughs> yeah. I'm 28, so I have, I have time. Maybe a little time. Yeah. And then I also want to be the fastest American woman, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to, I'm looking, I think Angela Nath, she's, she doesn't count as American. She still counts as Canadian. I think so. Yeah. And uh, I think next year, I thought this year she was going to probably be, you know, in the contention to win it. I forgot what happened, though. She had either a injury. She had a foot issue. Yeah, yeah, she had a foot injury. And boy, you talk about being injured one year just lights a fire under your butt for the next year. You know, yeah. you're like pissed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you, uh, watch out for her next year. Well, um, Ironman Texas, she's going to, she said she's going to try to come back and def, uh, yeah. defend her title. So that was be- her, that was her ticket, right? Yeah. This year, so uh, or last year, to get to Kona was winning that race. Is it that's going to be the national or that's going to be the North American championship? North American championship, right? So you win yep. that, you can um, you get right into Kona. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so it's going to be you versus Angela, oh, <laughs> and my. lots of other pros. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is going to be rad. It's going to be great. This, I'm not racing that this year. I might go watch. And, oh uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. You should come watch. Y'all on. And uh, I remember uh, I was running it. I remember Rachel Joyce uh, ran by, and I, I stopped and go, "Holy crap, it's Rachel Joyce!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much help. I'm just in such awe of people. Yeah, yeah. and Leanda Cave was there last year. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It brings some good She's names. Impressive. I mean, yeah. it has some good money. So <laughs> that too. Well, best of luck, and Thank we you. want you back on and uh, tell us how your year's going and maybe give us we could have you on again and tell us about like uh the women's side of racing like the whole 50 uh women qualifying for kona yeah you know like your viewpoint on that and kind of like how you're progressing as a pro and like strategies for for um you know how trying to get to kona not revealing your strategy per se but like uh what it's like Uh, be cool show topic we'd love to hear yeah i would love to all right well cool well thank you so much no problem. And I'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for the great interview. You can go definitely check her out. I'm going to put links to all of her social media stuff on the uh, on the podcast website, zentrathlon.com. And I'm really excited about this uh, Jocelyn versus Angela Nath 
at Ironman Texas. I'm going to go try to get to that one and go check it out in person. I didn't register for Ironman Texas this year. I thought I'd go watch one year, maybe learn something by watching what happens out there instead of just being in the mix all the time and uh, take Kai with me and uh, show him what's going on in the race and really explain it to him as he's seeing it. It'd be pretty neat. All right. Oh, man, there was one piece of news I forgot to mention at the beginning. I don't know if I really forgot it or just didn't want to think about it, but Dave Mira passed away. Uh, supposedly, um, it's hard to tell, you know, because stories leak out and they're trying to figure out the cause of things. Um, they think by, uh, by, being, by shooting himself, by suicide, and that's uh, really bizarre. He's only like 41 or maybe 42 years old. He's in my age group. I um, I was doing Galveston uh, a couple years ago, and this guy blew by me on the bike, and it was odd <laughs> that somebody went past me so fast on the bike, and I was like, who is that? And um, because if he was that good on the bike, he should have been that good uh, on the swim, too. You know, you'd think he'd be more well-rounded, and uh, it turned out it was Dave Mira just getting a triathlon, so he's the uh, like 10 times X-game uh, gold medal champion, uh, retired from that stuff. And, oh yeah. So that would make him more than incredible on the bike. And he was figuring out the swim, getting better at the swim and getting better at the run, um, every race and was really, uh, coming on as an awesome age grouper. He's so famous that I believe, uh, he was probably offered a slot to go to Kona um, without having to uh, qualify because Kona Ironman would love to have him there at the race as a celebrity. And he turned it down and uh, or let them know that he wasn't interested. I don't know if they ever offered it to him or not. But he wanted to qualify uh, as an age grouper, which is extremely difficult to do. But he thought, uh, you know, do it, do it right. And uh, that just speaks volumes about what a, what a cool guy this was. I never spoke spoke with him personally but I think I was around him a couple of times and he kind of hangs around in the same circles as uh with uh Ben Hobbs and and uh oh Jeff I need to talk to uh Jeff Fields about this uh see if they uh, know each other and offer emotional support it's really bizarre um there's a small possibility that it could be from CTE, which is that uh, brain disease that you get from, from having too many concussions that you hear about in the NFL. And you're like, well, how did he do that, doing BMX and, and uh, that kind of stuff? Well, they jump these ramps, and they go way up in the air, and then they fall down and smack their head. Even though they're wearing a helmet, they smack their head a lot. So um, that would be an explanation. And there's a million other things out there. Um, it's, just, it's just really sucky. Really, really sucky and really sad. He has a wife and uh, I think two little kids. And yeah, it's just a real, um, a real sad story all the way around. Um, and about depression and about taking your own life, um, there is something where we have a little bit of a social stigma, uh, at least in in the United States, where it's embarrassing to be depressed and you don't want to admit it, and then so you don't seek help. And you, um, then it goes too far, right? And then people end up uh, hurting themselves or, or killing themselves or harming others. And uh, we can really work on that as a culture. It's a cultural thing that we're embarrassed, that we're depressed. And everybody needs to know out there. Tell yourself, tell your friends, listen to what I'm about to say. 
that being depressed is totally normal and a natural process that you can get into. You can get into a funk over life or over, gosh, a whole bunch of different things. And um, it can really bum you out and it can get out of control. And you shouldn't feel bad about it. It's not necessarily uh, your fault that things have gotten like that. And you need to get help to get out of that funk as soon as possible. And you should not feel um, like a like a loser or like, uh, I don't know, like um, you're failing somehow uh, to the point where you won't ask for help. I felt um, depressed a few years ago. I think I wasn't eating enough and I was doing all this training and probably going a little bit too low carb. And uh, that'll, that'll put you into a funk. And um, I think... Christine Lynch or somebody had said that they had recently got into a funk and they knew better than to to uh, to um, just try to deal with it on their own because it was it was too much and they went and got um, on antidepressants as soon as they could and then they felt better and then they kind of figured out what was going on in their life and um, and then fixed that. And then uh, eventually got off antidepressants, and so I did the exact same thing by um, by by example by somebody else, uh, just like I'm doing right now, telling you that if you feel if you feel really down and blue and 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 it and it's and it's not your normal personality and it's just really ruining uh, your day in and day out life, consider. Uh, going to a doctor and asking them for antidepressants to lift your mood uh, as a quick fix, as like a Band-Aid. And then when that uh, repairs you and you feel a little bit better um, and you kind of level out, while that's happening, try to figure out what is going on in your life that you're doing that's making you so depressed. Is it where you're living? Is it your job situation? Uh, is it what you're eating? Is it your your lifestyle? Is it a relationship? And then work on getting that fixed. And then when you start getting that fixed, then um, maybe take yourself off of whatever uh, stuff that you're on. And and you know what? I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything like that. So take that with a grain of salt. Everything I've said just now. <laughs> just know that it's don't be embarrassed that you're um, that you're you're uh, depressed and don't. Let it go on too long and don't be afraid to ask for help. Especially don't be afraid to ask for help because uh, once it gets bad enough, you're not thinking straight anymore and you will make dumb, bad, horrible decisions that you would have never made if you were in your right mind because it's, it's kind of like a brain injury. You're, uh, you're not thinking straight and then you'll do something that you would regret the rest of your life if you were alive and uh, it's just really, really sad. So that's my little PSA out there is don't let depression get out of control and don't be embarrassed about it. Um, just look how sad everybody is about uh, Dave Mirror and everybody's wishing that Dave just would have said something to to us and we would have all jumped in to uh, help him out. So just say something. Say something. Oh, and if you suspect somebody's depressed, say something to them and really talk to them and try to get them to open up and, um, and suggest that there's ways out of it, okay? All right. Let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention, before we get into the training log, uh, this stuff called 33 Shake, which we had uh, Luke Taberski on a few episodes ago talking about his ultimate triathlon, 12 days long of triathloning across uh, Southern Europe. And he mentioned 33 Shake. Well, 33 Shake 
uh, called me up and said, hey, we want you to try out some of our gels. And I did. And they were really cool. So the contents of a gel packet from 33 Shake are dry. And then you put in water and then you shake it up. And I guess maybe there's 33 ingredients or something like that. But it's mostly chia seeds and then a little bit of uh, natural sugars and vanilla flavoring. And uh, you shake it up, and then after 10 minutes, it's ready to eat. And chia seeds turn into kind of like a gel um, right after, you, or about 10 minutes after you get them wet. And I did a three-hour workout. I did uh, two hours on the bike. No, three-and-a-half-hour workout. I did um, two-and-a-half hours on the bike, or 2.15 on the bike, and one fifteen on the run, all continuous on three 33 shake gels and then I added a little bit of maple syrup for some extra calories in there and uh, man I had a wonderful workout I felt really full and good the entire time and that's because chia seeds have a little bit of fat in them but anyway I want to give a shout out to 33 shake uh, for um, sending those my way that was really cool and we uh, should mention that uh, they are tied in a little bit with Chrissy Wellington and Chrissy Wellington uh, doesn't take no crap from nasty food. She's, uh, what is she, the four-time Ironman World Champion? And uh, she just had a baby. And anyway, so the, um, the ingredients are top-notch, just like Chrissy. Okay, let's go ahead and do donations to the show. And I don't think I have any emails to answer, but I do have a whole bunch of... Um, a whole bunch of donations because I think I forgot to mention them uh, last episode. So let's just go through them real quick. Let me pull them up here. We've got uh, M. Webb, Erica Dennison, Peter Salzen, Dwayne Morin, Simon Wright, Daniel Clemens, Brett Hoyer, Houston Marsh, El Sonior, Michael Redogna, Nathaniel, I said Nathaniel, <laughs> Nathaniel Lebec, Richard Trago. Nicholas Eckholm, who sent in a message, and he said, Hi, new on the show, and thanks for bringing inspiration to the sport. Maybe a triathlete someday? Question mark, question mark. Keep it going. Double exclamation point. Dude, maybe a triathlete someday? Of course you can be. Dude, anybody can be a triathlete. You start off with a sprint. Then if you like it, which you will, then you do some Olympics. And, man, you can stop at Olympics. Olympics are two and a half hours, three hours long. Um, that is enough uh, of an endurance sport right there. But then if you want to go bigger, you go half Ironmans. And then if you really want to go nuts, then you do full Ironmans. And then if you're insane, you can someday do an ultra, man. It'd be pretty cool. Okay, those are, um, I'm going to mention some more donations here in a second. But you can donate to the show and get your ma name mentioned on the show at zentriathlon.com on the is it the left-hand side? On the left-hand side, there's a way to donate. You can do a recurring donation, which is like, it's less than four bucks a month. And then uh, that way you're really helping support the show for as long as you want. And uh, let's say you don't want to do it anymore. You can go cancel it. And then uh, you can also do a one-time donation. And either way, I uh, mentioned your name on the show. It's super easy to do. It's by PayPal on the left-hand left side. You'd be crazy not to. And let's see. Last episode, I think I forgot to mention the donations and I had a bunch of them. So Allison Frutos, Matthew Froese, Houston Marsh, Alexander Bramage, Ken Soderquist, El Senor, uh, Chad Jamrazi, 
Uh, oh, maybe I did mention these. Simon Wright, Daniel Klein, Richard Stewart, Hun Chu. Yeah, I mentioned all these. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Oh, we need to talk about Hornet Juice. So the other way to help support the show is to get some Hornet Juice. This is so funny. Um, it's a protein powder, an amino acid. It's the same thing. When people say amino acids, those are the building blocks of protein. It's really the same thing. And uh, it's an amino acid powder that you can add to your fuel while you're working out. And what it does is it signals your body to um, uptick your fat metabolism while working out. There's all this, uh, I got podcasts in my queue I want to list to you right now. It's all about metabolism, 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 burn more fat, which actually works, you know, and you can uh, break yourself of sugar, sugar, sugar all the time by eating more fat. And another way to do it is to put this amino acid mix in your fuel and it will turn on your fat burning, which is really cool. And it's called Hornet Juice. It's on the right-hand side. It comes out of New Zealand. And uh, when you order it through Zentry, I get a tiny little bit up off the top, and uh, the rest of it goes to Hornet Juice. <laughs> and to you, because you get packets of Hornet Juice. It's really cool. And it helps support the show. So it's really cool, because think about this. You get something for you. You get something to help your favorite podcast, and you get something to show off at your friend, show off to your friends. Like you got this crazy stuff. Um, so it's based on the saliva. <laughs> this is so crazy. It's based on the saliva of the Japanese killer hornet, which is the largest flying bug uh, that covers the longest distance. So it's watts per kilogram going on right there. So it's heavy, big bug that flies super far. And how does it do it? It's this amino acid blend that in it, it's in its saliva they figured out in a lab and when they take that same ratio of amino acids and give it to humans and put it in their fuel while they work out they can work out longer and faster because they're metabolizing their own body fat you know you don't see a wasp flying around or japanese killer hornet drink gatorade no <laughs> it's metabolizing its own body fat for a huge amount of power it's really crazy how it works and Speaking of that, I just got a tweet just uh, a few hours ago from somebody that said, first run, this is from HNX Legion. He said, Zentrathlon, at Zentrathlon, first run with Hornet Juice today. Wow, dot, 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 just wow. 16 miles and never once felt tired. Almost weird. Hashtag next generation nutrition, hashtag ultra. So what people do when they get Hornet Juice is they, a lot of times they try out, you know, the 10-pack is the smallest pack first. And what's so funny is they order a 10-pack and then they come back and order like 30 or 50 because <laughs> they're like, holy crap. And uh, it's a whole lot of bang for your buck because one packet lasts an hour and a half. So you can do a three-hour workout and only use two packets. It's pretty cool. And it tastes a little bit like grapefruit and it mixes in with your fuel and it's really, really simple. It's really cool. And I also have to warn people, it is not intended to use uh, for sex. That is not on the packaging. Endurance athletes uh, getting together and having sex is already as dangerous as it is because I don't know when they know when to stop and then to give them hornet juice on top of that could be uh, majorly destructive, and you will lose the deposit on your apartment. So don't do that. I'm warning you now. But otherwise, go to Zentrathlon.com, go to the right-hand side, and click on the Hornet Juice logo. It is purple and yellow. Go check it out. 
It's awesome. Hornet juice, sting the competition. All right, let's go ahead and get into the training log. Best part of the show, besides everything else, where I take you with me. Training, I talk about, oh, stuff on the bike. How to, oh, how to use more torque and lower your heart rate to get in a different style of it. I cover that ad nauseum, which is always cool. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Funelli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trap. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes. Let's go exercise. Exercise. Yeah. I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself. Well, howdy ho. And welcome to another training log. All right, it is star date, February 10th. Surprised I know that without looking at my watch. I know it because I've been looking at my watch a lot because I've been having all kinds of technical problems because my iPhone uh, pooped the bed, as we say, on a family-friendly podcast. And getting it replaced took like two, three days uh, because FedEx won't deliver it unless you're at your house. Well, I can't be at my house because I got to be at work. And it just goes on and on. But a uh, funny thing is I was on campus at Texas A&M University involved. I had to give a talk and stuff like that. And I uh, was walking across campus with no phone and, uh, you know, walking from parking. It's this huge campus. It's like 50, 60,000 student campus. So it's like a, it's like a city. And uh, with nothing to distract myself in, in the cold, just walking. And I f- literally felt like it was 1995 <laughs> I have, uh, I'm just walking across campus and I've gone back in time where I have no technology to uh, distract me from the reality of what I'm doing. And that has been really interesting. And also in the meantime, uh, well, I had recordings. I had really cool, uh, uh, training log recordings about what I've been doing, training, how I've been recovering and stuff. And they're all lost because I had to restore my phone from a backup, but the backup was a few weeks old. Um, and of course I record all the time. And so the most recent ones are gone, dead and gone, but going to practice letting go. Breathe in, breathe out. Steve Jobs, hardware failure. Okay, then let's see. I've been uh, having so much fun training on Zwift because of my um, my uh, tattoo means you can't swim. So because you can't swim, then I'm spending more time biking and running and uh, not in the water as much. Uh, you can't swim with a, ta- with a fresh tattoo because you'll, it'll get infected or something like that. And then <clears throat> the, um, or you might affect other people, most importantly, with your craziness. They don't want to scare people. They're like, oh, look, dude with a tattoo, he's dangerous. But the, uh, <laughs> the thing is, um, I was going to the gym instead of swimming and doing cable pulls and uh, you can do a cable pull with a handle and get down on your knees and do a uh, high elbow kind of like uh, you're doing a freestyle catch it's really really cool and work on that so when I got back to swimming I was actually uh, pretty uh, stout and then let's see uh, oh but the uh, biking and running was really starting to wear me out um, aerobically get up in the morning and and, and throughout periods of the day having trouble trying to catch my breath and um, 
yeah, just kind of struggling in general. So I've backed off of that and instead uh, just going easy and doing torque instead. So mixing in sessions of a heavy gear or now that I am back swimming, mixing in a hand paddles. So this morning swim was 10 minutes easy, 10 minutes with hand paddles. 10 minutes easy, 10 minutes with hand paddles. 10 minutes easy, 10 minutes with hand paddles. That ends up to be an hour. And I don't count the time putting on the hand paddles because it takes like a minute each time. Not a minute, maybe half a minute. But that's not working out, so I stopped my watch. And the, uh, the cool thing about torque like a heavier gear or running up a hill or whatever, you can really work your muscles without driving up your aerobic uh, heart rate. That's an odd description. But uh, without stressing your lungs as much, you stress your muscles. And um, you can give your lungs a break and your uh, heart a break and just be working your muscles instead and improving those, which is a really cool way to improve or kind of mix things up. Hold on, let me put it on pause, going through a school zone. All right, back. And the, uh, oh yeah, so I've noticed my, um, my aerobic uh, struggling has uh, really calmed down quite a bit. Now I'm just chilling. Um, Jeff Honing with livingfuel.com uh, helped me out with a tip about how to tape my foot uh, to relieve plantar fasciitis, and it really works. You just make an X on the bottom of your foot and then wrap it a little bit more. You can, you can see videos like this online everywhere. It's really cool. And that's been helping uh, me recover faster from running as well and I've been uh, messing around with uh, potato starch as a fuel and it seems to really really work uh, raw and unmod- unmodified potato starch is um, essentially the same thing as you can um, it's a resistant starch it's 100% resistant starch <laughs> and it's uh, and that's what you can is it's the same thing but the um, the cool thing is potato starch is you can go get it at the grocery store and it costs, I went, I busted out the calculator and calculated, you know, uh, pennies per ounce. Or in this case, it's like, well, in potato starch, it's pennies per ounce. And in, uh, you can, it's dollars per ounce or gram or whatever. But, uh, potato starch is literally, I've said that twice now on this podcast, one tenth the price of you can. So I'm trying to figure out this whole, um, resistant, starch uh, riddle and as I learn more I'll uh, put it forth to you about how it works it is very very interesting I have some very good workouts but also um, the bacteria in your gut that chew up the resistant starch um, if you don't have enough of them uh, then you get or they're not efficient at it you get byproduct which is gas which is farting and I only get it sometimes so I'm trying to figure out what's uh, what's going on there and as I as I nail it down a little bit more, I'll uh, I'll spread the word on how this all works. But it seems to be going uh, really really well. And then another uh, thing I've been trying is avocado oil. So avocado oil is supposedly um, healthier for you than even olive oil. It's got like more. It's it's got the same makeup of types of oil and the um, but then it's got more nutrition in it. So like uh, the vitamins and I don't know, whatever, maybe minerals. And it is even better, like a lot better than olive oil, which is interesting. And it hardly tastes like anything. It's a really light, uh, almost flavorless, uh, delicious oil. And instead of butter in your coffee or something like that, you could put it in avocado oil or add it to your everything. (laughs) 
And along that note, I've been doing uh, uh, way more fat in my diet to try to become more fat burning and fewer carbs. And that's an art in itself that I'm trying to do very uh, carefully because we do not want to get into an eating disorder and we do not want to get into uh, not eating enough. So it's, uh, it's difficult. And basically, you got to eat too much and then slowly too much of everything and then back off of the, uh, the thing you're trying to get rid of. I'm trying to come up with a name for this technique, but it's kind of like backing it in. You know, you, you overshoot and then back down and uh, without depriving yourself. So too many calories coming in from fat. That way you've got, at least you've got enough calories and then slowly start pulling away the uh, carbs. Um, <clears throat> that would be instead of uh, a, lot of, a lot of times when we diet or eat, try to eat better, we remove things, but then we're not eating enough overall. And then it's not sustainable. You know, it makes you kind of miserable. And am I in the right parking spot? I don't think I am. I'm going to move. So don't want to park in the boss's spot. He always parks here. And there's another car that's just next to it that looks like his, but I don't think it is his. Now I'm trying to steer with my left hand. Oh, so I got a broken arm report. Uh, my arm is... I'm actually steering now with my left hand. How about that? But man, it hurts. But man, does swimming with paddles really, really, um, really work it really good. Um, nowhere near where I want to be, but, uh, and the doctor says I may never be, which is really depressing and sad, but uh, I had a good run <laughs> with my left arm and I've still got one arm left. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. And also... I think that's I think that's it. We got plenty more to cover. Lots of good workouts happening um, with uh, no uh, sugar involved whatsoever, and um, you know no oses, fructose, sucrose, and all that stuff. But uh, anyway, I don't want to recommend anything until you know I know what I'm doing more. But it does seem to be working. But seem is not actual reality, and we'll talk more in a bit. All right, bang. All right, homies. I wanted to give y'all a little bit of a workout idea. So let's say um, you're kind of tired of doing all the aerobic stuff and you want to improve your strength because the thing that's gonna slow you down the most in a uh, longer event is the hills. Once your muscles fatigue out, if that's a phrase, then uh, you're pretty much uh, cooked and and your forward progress is gonna be pretty lame. So. Uh, one thing to work on, uh, you can work on something and save something else at the same time, is uh, low cadence, uh, low RPM, high torque uh, hill climbs. And so let's say, for example, what I did this morning was um, get on the bike, warm up 10 minutes easy, and then put it into a heavier gear than normal, and then... Uh, work up a hill, quote-unquote hill, uh, for 10 minutes, and then go back to easy, and then 10 minutes heavy hard, and uh, 10 minutes easy, then 10 minutes heavy hard. So you're doing three 10-minute long hills in a heavy gear, not spinning up the hill, um, but uh, working up the hill at a low RPM. Now see, if you were spinning up the hill, uh, and that means a high cadence and low torque, then what you're doing is you're using your aerobic system to, uh, to get up the hill and not your muscles as much. Well, that's good. That works your aerobic system. But let's say you've done a lot of aerobic 
work lately and you're like, you know what, aerobic isn't my problem. <laughs> I want to be more powerful in my uh, legs. So uh, doing lower cadence like somewhere between 70 and 80 RPM is uh, will work those muscles. And doing it for 10 minutes straight is uh, will definitely do it. And doing it three times 10 minutes straight will uh, definitely do it. Now, let's say uh, you're a triathlete and you want to practice in the tri-bike position. 10 minutes can be a long time. And uh, one way to break it up is... Um, it's really not that long, though. But mentally fatigue-wise, um, and you need to be working in the arrow position and in the sitting upright position, is you do one minute in the arrow position and then one minute sitting up. And then go one minute arrow position, one minute sitting up. And you keep alternating that for the 10 minutes. And by the end, you've done a lot of work in both the arrow, which makes your arrow position more powerful, and... Uh, and then also sitting up uh, makes your sitting up position more powerful. And the really fascinating thing is, is if you're wearing your heart rate uh, monitor, your heart rate strap, you can see that your heart rate doesn't actually climb up all that much. It'll go uh, maybe to math, maybe just a little bit above math, which is 180 minus your age if you're fit. And the um, and you're like, oh, this is uh, this is uh, nice. I'm I'm working the muscles without working my heart. It's, uh, and my lungs so much, so I'm giving them a break while I'm working on uh, my muscles instead. It's actually really, really cool. So those of you that are into the whole Maffetone style training where you don't want to drive your heart rate up too much, uh, this is definitely one way to do it. It's really cool. And that goes back to um, swimming where I was saying uh, the last little entry was um, you know, hand paddles. does the exact same thing. 10 minutes with hand paddles torques your arm muscles uh, and your shoulders so that they're worked out pretty hard. Now let's talk about how you, um, how do you do a 10 minute long hill? You're like, oh, I live in uh, Flatonia, Texas, Flatonia, Texas, which is a real place. (laughs) All the people are so cruel when they name that. And uh, so I've got a friend that lives there. What's up, dude? And where do you find a 10 minute hill? No, you get on your trainer and you do a, a 10 minute long big gear session um, on the trainer and you're like oh but I ride Zwift and that's there is no 10 minute long hill there's like a 3 minute long hill hold on I need to pause for just a second alright I'm back so uh, I got a 3 minute hill there's maybe a 5 minute hill um, there's no place to do 10 minutes long and it's like yeah but you don't have to do what's on the course You, it's it's a video game. You can just change the gearing yourself and pedal up a hill. You know, you just make a hill virtually just by putting in a bigger gear and pedaling at a lower cadence in spite of what people are doing around you, in spite of what the video game is showing. And this goes back to one thing, one of the greatest prizes of long-distance triathlon, learning to be successful at long-distance triathlon. Because, like, you fail and you fail and you're, you have bad results. You're like, what's going on? What's going on? And then over and over again, somebody says you got to learn to do the right thing in spite of what people are doing around you. It is one of the greatest. That's why triathlon, long course triathlon is, uh, and especially uh, long course non-drafting triathlon is one of the greatest Zen teachers out there. Is you got to do the right thing 
in spite of what others are doing around you. So at the beginning of a race, you know, people are taking off, going fast. And if you're smart, you're like, well, don't do that. But a newbie would be like, oh, everybody's going fast. I got to go fast too, right? So you, um, you can... Oh, you go running with a training group, you know? Well, everybody's going this speed. You need to be able to stand up for yourself and be a grown-up and say, no, you can run at an eight-minute mile. I need to run at a 10-minute mile today, you know? Oh, you can run that way and run the same course all over again, but I'm going to go run this way and go run hills because I need to do hills today. And uh, no, I'm not meeting up with the uh, hammerhead group on the bikes today. I'm going to take a rest day and... uh, it's just on and on the examples of not giving in the social pressure um, and doing the right thing. No, I'm not going to eat cupcakes again today, and I don't care that there's donuts in the break room. I'm going to do the right thing uh, because those things aren't healthy for me. <sighs> so, anyway, on the trainer, you can say, I'm going to do a 10 minute long session with. Uh, you know, at a low cadence, uh, higher torque and higher output than uh, what other people are doing around me. And the video game, you know, doesn't tell your bike that you're going downhill. There is a way you can get a smart trainer to do that, but you can also turn your smart trainer off and go into dumb mode. I saw somebody on Zwift this morning uh, saying that they were doing that. Okay, but anyway, that's how you get results. High torque, low cadence will work your muscles and will give your aerobic system a bit of a break. Now, if you see people out training, you see people doing um, low cadence all the time. You're out on a bike ride and you got, you know, most people are sitting there. If you're just with um, uh, novices and uh, cat five, which is like cat (laughs) cat six is a big joke. Um, You're slower cyclists. You'll see they're doing low cadence all the time, right? Well, they're never really working their aerobic system. And uh, they don't know how to spin up a hill and save their leg muscles. Uh, so you don't do this all the time, is my point. Is you do it uh, when it's appropriate. Appropriate decision. All right. Well, I got to go in and uh, we got work breakfast. I think we're going to have uh, breakfast tacos, which is scrambled eggs, which is nice fat and protein and salsa and guacamole. And I've got my green smoothie already made up for today. And got some kale in it. Kale, carrots, orange, banana. Got some potato starch in it. Um, and then, uh, what's the other thing? Bringing guacamole. Got guacamole for work uh, that I can eat anytime I want. And I think that's it. So, all right. We'll be back in a minute. Out, bang. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Woo. Just left the pool. I want to talk about just real quickly about that and then also uh, interview with Ian Sharman and then about some coaching options. Okay, let's see. Uh, swimming in the pool, 10 minutes easy, 10 minutes uh, with paddles, which makes it hard. 10 minutes easy, 10 minutes with paddles. And then on the next 10 minutes easy, I'm going for an hour total. Now the next 10 minutes easy, I was like, man, you know what? I should mix up this hard. Instead of doing paddles, do butterfly. And um, I love butterfly because I find it difficult. So uh, a few years ago, I interviewed the guy that swam butterfly across the English Channel. 
and I was so uh, inspired that I went and swam butterfly across and back my local lake, which was 2.4 miles, and I did it in a full wetsuit. <laughs> and I swam butterfly across La Jolla Cove and back, which is like maybe two miles. Uh, yeah, man, I love freaking butterfly. I, I raced it some in um, in uh, high school and uh, growing up as a kid and uh, found it. I was really good at it for about 25 yards and then I would fall apart. So it's, um, it's a flexibility thing. And man, once you settle in and get going easy, uh, it works the shoulders. But once you find the technique, you can actually do a slow, easy turnover and work on your glide. And it really focuses flexibility in your shoulders, and it, uh, which is good for freestyle. Um, to get more and more flexibility, it focuses on your streamline. It focuses on your breathing technique. It focuses on your pull. It focuses on everything. So you do some butterfly and all of a sudden freestyle seems really, really easy. <laughs> really easy. And that's what you want. Okay, so I did that and that was uh, really, oh, and my uh, project broken wing, my uh, broken arm that I think is broken actually, uh, when I broke it, it was broken in several places. I think it was broken up in my wrist as well. And I think I had a hairline fracture in my forearm somewhere. somewhere. And, uh, man, I felt that thing cracking and popping and, uh, what it needs is it needs to be stressed to, uh, let the scar tissue not heal up too tight so that, um, it can straighten out more and be more flexible in the joints. So it was good. What I'm saying, it's a good thing. I'm really motivated from all that. And we have, uh, oh, yesterday I, uh, was cruising through my uh, Twitter nets, uh, killing time and saw an interview with Ian Sharman. Ian Sharman is awesome. He's an ultra runner. And this interview on uh, this podcast called Run on Om, O-M, like Om, is Run on Om, is uh, fantastic. Because once you get through all the uh, hippity-dippity, touchy-feely stuff in the beginning, and he starts talking, it's a female host that has this really pleasant voice, but it's almost too pleasant. It's like, it's distracting. It's so good. The, uh, the <laughs> Ian Sharman uh, grew up playing uh, team sports like uh, soccer and lacrosse and uh, rugby and you know just just uh, uh, field hockey and you know just playing around, jumping around and whatever. And then I became an economist in London and then started signing up when he was in his mid twenties. Started signing up for ultra marathons and uh, did okay. And then he, um, he talks about how he started tra- changing up his training. And the next thing he knew, by training right, he, he has become the record holder in two major things, many things, many, many, many things. But I'll tell you the, the two major things. The fastest ultra-100-mile mar- time in North America, and I was at that race. He ran the Rocky Raccoon 100. 100 miles, which has 5,000 feet of elevation gain, right? So it's not dead flat. Uh, and it's on trails. He ran that thing in 12 hours and something minutes, I think. So it basically averaged like a low to mid seven minute mile for 100 miles. And then he also did the, uh, he's the record holder for the Grand Slam. And that's where you run the four biggest 100 milers. Oh, we got an accident up ahead. The four biggest 100 milers in uh, North America. Um, they're historic, and um, it is extremely difficult to uh, get into this 
uh, event. And what is going on up ahead? Uh, it's it's extremely difficult to get in some of the races because you have to win a lottery. And hmm, I'm looking at this traffic situation. It does not look good. Hmm. Let me pause here and see what's up. I may not be able to go ahead. All right, looks like I'm gonna have to take a detour. Hey, look, there's the ostrich farm here at Texas A&M University. Ostriches and emus, all kinds of crazy critters. Oh man, I don't think I'm gonna get out of here. This is a pretty bad traffic situation going on. Oh wait, maybe it's clearing up. Okay, enough about traffic. That's a boring podcast. Uh, Ian Sharman, um, oh, the the hundred mile uh, or the uh, Grand Slam is uh, you do yeah these hundred milers. Uh, one or two of them require a lottery to get into. Uh, so getting the opportunity to do the Grand Slam is, in itself is kind of uh, difficult. And then um, he was racing another guy called Nick Clark uh, for uh, the time. They were racing against each other, and um, I think they both finished within like half an hour of each other by the, uh, by the end of it. So imagine running four 100-milers and still racing the, the, <laughs> the guy that you're trying to beat for the world record because uh, it's cumulative time. Um, imagine trying to beat him, you know, down to the last few miles of four 100 miles. That's how stiff the competition is for this kind of stuff and how crazy it is. Anyway, so he's amazing. But in his interview, he talks at length about how to train to go long. And it, uh, he's self-coached and he taught himself how to do this, which is uh, really amazing, and um, it is chock full of great information. Um, a lot of it, you know, you, you, you nod your head because you've been there and done that, so if you're totally new to this kind of stuff, oh, it's definitely applicable to, um, to Ironman, definitely, and if you're new to this stuff, you may be like, yeah, I guess whatever. But if you have some exposure and some experience to trying to go long and you've been through this, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, he is so right. So right about so many things. So uh, definitely pay attention and go check it out. Running on um, interview with Ian Sharman, I-A-N-S-H-A-R-M-I-N, I think. All right, so I just want to wrap up the show with uh, letting you know that I have one coaching spot available, and the kind of clients, the coaching clients that I do awesome with are people that are independent and typically uh, train uh, by themselves, uh, and they, they live all over the world. I coach people in Sweden, South Africa, New Zealand, um, trying to think, uh, remote parts of North America, and they want to train, oh, Brazil, you know, as long as you can speak English, uh, and you've got internet access, I can coach you, and this is awesome, because so many people want to do triathlons, but they don't live near a uh, triathlon club, they don't live near a big city, so they live, like I do, like in College Station, Texas, uh, there's no triathlon um, environment out here. Uh, so you need a coach that can coach over the internet. And I have been coaching over the internet for, I don't know, 
eight to 10 years or something like that. And uh, I've been uh, USAT certified twice. And I've done, oh, let's see, 13 Ironmans, 100 mile trail run, tons of 50 miler uh, uh, trail runs, and gotten uh, really successful at those. And um, specialty in uh, cycling and swimming, how to get faster in those. So, really help you out there. And uh, yeah, so if you have um, internet access and you like to log your workouts, uh, I am your guy. The uh, we use Training Peaks, and then with every workout, I uh, pretty much demand that you put in your notes from that workout because what that does for me is it gives me information on how that workout went, how it felt, how it. Uh, affected you, how much energy you have, and then that is where the magic happens. When you say, well, I felt kind of tired towards the end of this two-hour or three-hour bike ride, I'll say, well, what'd you eat? Like, there's a back and forth after every workout where, because of your comments, and you'll say, well, I don't really know what I ate, uh, and I'm like, there's your problem right there. You don't, you don't know what you ate. Or how much water did you drink? Uh, I don't know. Or my stomach started hurting about... Uh, uh, 30 minutes in and I'm like well that's from what you ate before what did you eat before and you're like well I had um, he- you know something he- heavy and, and uh, fibrous and I'll say yeah you know right before workout you shouldn't be doing that and uh, or you got cramps right and then we start working on cramps and after all these years I have all the resources of who to talk to for any kind of special specialty issue and the magic really starts to happen with uh, analyzing every workout from your comments. How does your workout feel? And uh, how did it affect you? And how much rest are you getting? And uh, with today's metrics over the internet, I think coaching uh, allows you to be even better than an in-person coach at times because I have to look at things like your cadence and your, um, your speed and your heart rate and all that to, uh, to know how you're actually uh, reacting to the workouts. And I think if you're in person, you may not even really notice that stuff. But if you're, um, if you're remotely, you have to look at that stuff. And that's the stuff that really matters. Really, really matters. You know, when you're doing... Um, I need to make sure I catch my exit right here. When you're doing... A bike ride, and I say uh, 10 minutes easy. Oh, and I love training people like this uh, by time. Like I said with the swimming, you do so many minutes this, so many minutes that, so many minutes this, so many minutes that. It works on the bike. It works in the pool. It works on the run. It is amazing how easy it works and how few coaches, if any, actually do that. And the um, so I can look at your bike ride and say, okay, I want you to do 10 minutes easy to warm up, now uh, 10 minutes at 80% of your FTP. And then you're like, well, what's, your FT- what's FTP? And I'll say, oh, let's start testing FTP. And uh, all the tools on how to, um, how to know your FTP. And then when you're doing intervals, I can look at your cadence because all this is uploaded to uh, Training Peaks. It's incredible. We look at your cadence. And I'll say, okay, for this interval, your cadence was too high. 
and for this interval, your cadence was too low, and then you'll say, well, I can't do that. I can't do such a high cadence. It's hard. And I'm like, well, that's what we're going to be doing for a while, a little bit of high cadence work. How do you do high cadence? Well, you do low torque, right? So drop it down a gear, just pedal at a high cadence, and next thing you know, after a couple of weeks, you got high cadence, and you fixed yourself through coaching, through Zentri. Oh, and the other aspect of Zentri is... Uh, the mental aspect of training, how to deal with uh, race day uh, drama and also just training day in and day out. I uh, hold a full-time job and I'm a dad and I do lots of fun stuff with kids, Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts and wait, hold on just a second. All right, I had to pause there because there's no using cell phones in a school zone, but they didn't say no eating, so I just ate a big chunk of salmon <laughs> that was in a piece of Tupperware that I'm taking to uh, work with me to snack on today. Mmm, nothing like swimming and then eating salmon. It's like I caught it myself with my mouth. Anyway, uh, the mental aspect of racing and training day in and day out is uh, really uh, the specialty of uh, Zentri, as you can tell from the podcast. I really focus in on that and enjoy that. And once you have the right mindset, you can do just about anything. And um, we've gone to the point of, uh, on Zentri, swimming across Lake Tahoe, which was 13 and a half hours of swimming nonstop successfully. Successfully running a 100 miler, which was the longest thing. So that's 26 hours uh, nonstop. And uh, then also doing a self-supported Ultraman, which was... Uh, let's say nine hours plus ten hours. That's nineteen hours plus the uh, the twelve hour run on day three. Uh, so, oh my gosh, we're getting into thirty one hours of uh, of endurance sports in uh, three days. You know, nonstop. So we've got the experience here over at Zentri, and I would love to coach a great athlete that wants to figure it all out and put it together and have a great season. So let me know. All right, that's it for this podcast. Oh, if you want to get in touch with me, I kind of keep my email, my email, <laughs> I keep my email a little bit hidden so I don't get uh, spam. Uh, so it's Texafornia, T-E-X-A, Texafornia, because I used to live in California and I live in Texas, Texafornia at gmail.com is how you can get in touch with me about coaching. Let me know. Oh, it's $1.99 a month, which is actually a bargain for all the personal inter interaction that you uh, get back and forth from me in person, emails, phone calls, text messages, all that stuff. And completely personally, 100% built um, uh, training plan. Okay, so that's it for this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun and... I don't even know what the next show is going to be yet. And that's how we roll here. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. <laughs>